<laughs> All right, y'all ready? Three, two, three. Ready for this? Dun, dun, dun. Oh man, <laughs> looks so lame. Here we go. We have hey, <laughs> we gotta bring the energy. We gotta bring the energy. Hey, hey, bread, bread, bread. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of That Reload Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, owner of Reload Rub and Seasoning. I have sitting across from me, Jeremy, the booge, the kitchen white law. Bread. <laughs> Next to him is our sweet and sassy, sometimes salty, showrunner, Miss Stacy. Hey, guys. Stacy, you can't say hey, guys. What do you mean? Jeff Propes already said that you can't say guys anymore. <sighs> I know. I think if you're in the South, uh, guys is a non-gendered term. Nope. Like, nope. I would say, like, you guys, meaning both of you, even if it was, like, a group of women, I'd be it's like, what's group. up, guys? Yeah. It's a group. Nope. Okay, so... <laughs> you can't guys, say guys. Guys, just, is, guys is, is non-gendered. I'm going to explain this. So, Survivor <laughs> is something that I've watched since season one. Like, love, love, love it. Oh, that's the guy from Survivor? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. So, we watched it. I've never it, watched an episode. Watched it the other night, and he always says whenever they're, they're at a, like, an immunity challenge, he'll say, come on out, or come on, guys. Come on in, guys. Come on in, guys. Mm-hmm. So, at the beginning of the episode, he said, uh, you know, I want to be with the times, and I'm not sure if guys is okay to say, what do you all think? Guys. Did you yeah. watch Survivor this week? I've never watched an episode of Survivor in my life, oh, love it. as I, I love just it. said. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, he just wanted to say, you know, is it okay for me to say, come on in, guys. We've been saying it for 40, 40 seasons now. <laughs> 40 long years. <laughs> 40 years. Four um, score and seven years. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, there was women and like this one girl popped up and she's a lesbian, you can yeah. tell. Um, and she was like, no, I th- that's part of the tradition of the show. Let's keep guys. It's fine. I'm not offended by it. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Well, then... Later on in the episode, a guy, a guy, um, uh, he speaks. <laughs> he speaks up and goes, "Well, I don't want to say I sh- anything." I'm afraid that I, I should have said something I'm about offended. this. A guy was offended by, by being guy. called a guy. One like, guy. Oh my gosh! And then they like, cha- he decided to change it. That's so, so dumb. That's such pandering, um, man. Yeah. So the guy was like, I should have spoke up about it, but yeah, I think, you know, that's out, that's old. Like, don't say don't say guys anymore. It's just not cool, basically. And so now Jeff Probst was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to oh. say, come on in. No, Jeff Probst, that, he, not only does he go, okay, cool. He goes, I didn't even want to say it anymore. Thanks for saying that. So like, well, me, then if you don't want to say it, just don't say it. That's, that's what up I to said. You. Like, like, instead of making I'm this I'm glad ended, we're changing it. Shut yeah. the hell up. Like, instead of making it, le- like, instead they made it like an issue they brought it up instead of just well you know you know why they did that it's so that so well no so that people like us would talk about it to our millions of listeners you know Ah, that's why that's why they do crap like that very 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 smart very very true and Um, it's working Mm-hmm. But, Here we are. but what I will say is, to me, he should have just stopped saying it because I don't think, I mean, as much as I've watched it, I don't think I would have noticed if he was like, come on in. Yeah, versus yeah. come on in, I guys. never would have, and, and it wouldn't have been an issue, and then you just go with the times and it's fine, but they made it this big giant thing, and, you know, so then I looked at Joel, and I'm like, well, do I need to, like, cut the guys out on my intro? Because I always say, hey, guys. Yeah, she started questioning herself, but. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Do, I wasn't. Wait, 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 do you really not want to say it, but you want someone to complain about it first, and then you'll stop yeah. saying it? That's no. what it is. I, <laughs> she's saying it more. She's pulling a probes. Yeah. That, that is one of the 
one of the words in my vocabulary that I way overuse. I, I say guys for everything and it's staying. I, I, I'm a woman and I'm not offended by it. So no, like my wife has like a get together with all of her girlfriends today. I'm like, oh, what are you guys doing? You know, like it's just like a, yes. it, it's a non-gendered. Like, it's a slang. like guys are like dude or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like those are not male, female terms. Those yeah. are just terms for people in general. So that's where we're at. All right. Well, speaking of things, crap. Anyways, we've got a next one episode. (laughs) We do. We're gonna have a great. We have a great episode. Don't (laughs) we? This is a long time coming. This is something that we never thought was gonna come. Jeremy, we we honestly didn't. Yeah, pigs, just, are, pigs have flown. Just like me in the bedroom, y- you had to get your leg chopped off, and Stacy had to get bored with you or something, and uh, that was the only way it was going to happen. After two long years, we are finally going to be talking about bread, y'all. Starting out, how to start out from an amateur like myself. Like basics. Uh, d- dipping your toe into the flour is what we yeah. call it. And you know, my mom Ooh, was like over that. here because she was helping us take care of the kids while Joel was under the weather with his knee surgery. And I like started pulling out my kit of all the like tools and stuff. And she was like, oh, wow, when did you get these? And I'm like, Years nine months ago. ago. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but They've stayed in the, I'm like opening up the plastic from the tools and everything like brand new. But before we, before we dive into all the bread talk, I want to do what we always do. We got to catch up. And today, typically we have a pour before the podcast, but today we are sipping on some delicious mm. Vienna coffee, local roaster, salami. Salami. And it's, I go. Mm. Good mm. stuff. I know. Jeremy, I'm so glad that you and, uh, Miss the Matt Fa turned us into this pour over method with coffee because it's changed our coffee yep. game. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I actually um, went and bought some Vienna. Vienna is a local roaster to us. They're actually over in Maryville, which is like 20, 30 minutes from where we are. So it's kind of cool that we can buy that in grocery stores. Yeah. But I actually went and bought some like a week or two ago because I had ran out of my my mail order coffee and stuff. Yeah. And I just grabbed like two bags of dark roast and I take them home and like I forgot that like grocery store coffee comes pre ground and I accidentally bought like a bo- like a bag of pre ground coffee and oh, I, wow. like, I opened it and I was so confused. I was like, where, where are the beans well, at? Where are the beans? <laughs> I, I like, I like over myself. I was like, oh no, like what did I do? What like do I, I, do didn't, I didn't even think about coffee being already ground. Like, how do you, how do you, what but, things, with what br- do I do with this? <laughs> did you use it? Yeah, I used it. I yeah. was like, whatever. Yeah, we've been using up uh, some of our funny. coffees that we've got that are pre-ground and it's fine, but like we yeah. freshly ground this one and it's a delicious cup. You get a pop of flavor, like it adds a lot to it, grinding it fresh, right, right before before you use it. Their stuff yeah. is really good. Like I actually really enjoy their beans. Yeah, for a gro- like like we said like I buy it at Kroger. Like it's a local grocery it's a local grocery store coffee. Like it's really it's it's really great. And, and I would imagine if you're living in a bigger market, you have something like that in your area. You know, look up what your local roasters are and I I guarantee you're going to have something local in your grocery mm-hmm. store. Yeah. I think you can buy them online though. The Vienna? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. I'm just saying like we get them a lot fresher cuz they're right here. Right here to us, yeah. you know. Yeah. If your ass don't speak into the mic, I'm going to go crazy. I'm sorry. You kill me in post. What are you going to do? Chase after me? Yeah. Well, you know what? If you all... <laughs> Kiss my ass. Yeah, so... Uh, wait, wait, wait. I got something to say What's up, Pogo Stick? <laughs> um, just for you guys that are out there listening. I know you're listening. You, you guys. love... Yeah, there you go. You love Reload Rub and Seasoning. This is the time to buy, guys. We are We are begging you. Put your orders in right now if you need any reload. We've got new tumblers out, growlers, because... Uh, today, tomorrow, and until 5 p.m. Thursday, September 30th, we are giving 20% of our um, sales on the website to Second Harvest Food Bank. Um, our friend Krista is competing. She's a hunger hero. Uh, we want her to kick the door down, yeah. and we want to bring her a really nice, generous donation. So 
please guys put your order in or go to um, Krista at DeSocio in the kitchen on Instagram, her link in her bio, you can donate directly, even if it's a dollar, two dollars, five dollars. We would be so thankful. That's it, man. Like one dollar. If, if ever one of our followers gave one dollar, yes. it'd be a million, fo- a million dollars. It'd be a million dollars. So, oh, dude. So, Second Harvest here locally, they mm-hmm. have a fifty-five thousand square foot warehouse. Really, chock full, full of food. Of wow. food. But they said if if people stopped donating today, th- three weeks, that would all be gone. They're running wow. out of food. That's how many. Hungry that's, that's families. That's awesome that they're helping that many people, though. Yeah. That's really cool. It yeah. is. So, guys, donate. Please, we're, we're asking for a favor. Um, and if you don't want to donate and you want something in return, just go to reloadrub.com, place an order, and 20% is going back to them. That's it. At least you get a little something out of it. Right on. Um, have you seen this TikTok or Instagram? It's mainly TikTok. Um well, thank you for doing. I have like a sour look on my face. You just said the word TikTok. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> sour but, toe. All right. So I've seen these people where they do like this, uh, this roar. <laughs> I'm doing it. Uh, so. Well, this, I did it the first time. It, does this sound intimidating? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Ew. How do you do it? <laughs> there it is. It sounds like you got a loogie to spit out. <laughs> That's Listen no, listen. That's paper, the sound I make Joel, when I'm going to make a loogie. Joel's got an empty paper towel roll. I was wondering why they had trash on the <laughs> table. Well, hang on, I got practice again. <laughs> sounds like yeah, a that's, lion. Yeah, that's scarier, yeah. <laughs> that's Joel's like... Oh, the, oh, that's the TikTok thing where you use the paper roll. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I saw this, this dude do it on there. His <laughs> face started going crazy yesterday. Well, but. yeah, he didn't even know it. And like I went over and I grabbed the paper towel roll and I yeah. just did it. And we were we were so shocked. Like we were crying laughing. You know, because people it do that shit. Like a, it doesn't a, work. A, yeah. It sounded like a lion in the kitchen. And we were like crying because I mean, Joel's like, man, this is like a perfect way to like ward off like a predator, like someone breaking into your house. Just. <laughs> No, that sounds really cool. Doesn't it? <laughs> I usually scare them off with a shotgun. Uh, unfortunately, I lost it in a fishing accident recently. That's but, right. Uh, you yeah. know, clicking a shotgun yeah, you don't have any. Th- uh, helps also. I hate that those yeah. fishing accidents. With yeah. Them. Mm, so lost. what have you been up to? Losing fish, li- losing your firearms and fishing Yep, that happens every weekend. Accidents? Um, every weekend. I've been watching an absurd amount of um, uh, Parks and Rec. Um, <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm cooking like all Parks and Rec dishes this coming weekend. Um, <laughs> Swanson's, bacon wrapped turkey legs, you know. Yeah. Um, mac and cheese pizza, I was telling you guys about. Uh, just ridiculous stuff because um, I've just been watching way too much of that show. Hmm, very nice. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. yeah. like, you, you've already seen them all. So like, you're just kind of rewatching oh, them. Like, Probably like 10, 15 times, yeah. See, I can't do that. There's not anything new on that you want to watch? There is. I'll get it to it in Reload Recommends. Okay. Um, okay. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, no, like, I um, I am the kind of person who enjoys background noise when I'm in, in my house. So, like, I'll just mm-hmm. throw them on in the background while I'm working on my computer or doing Instagram stuff or whatever. Like, I just <laughs> like to have the TV on and, like, I can half watch it because I've seen it all. Are you over there like... Ha ha ha! Ha ha! That was a good one. Ha ha! <laughs> yes, exactly. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Well, one thing I want to do before we get out of catch up is you all have heard me talk about it on the last two episodes in the front end is our buddy Paul's online auction for his son's Polly Strong to support childhood cancer. It's the way he fights back with it. Yeah, at Big Paul on the Grill. You guys know him from Instagram. And don't uh, if they you have don't a, follow a, him. a page for the foundation also? At Polly Strong, and it's mm-hmm. P-A-U-L-I-E. Well, 
actually the the, the website that you're going to be going to is www.poly.givesmart.com. And that's where you're going to go for the online auction. It starts September 28th, which is the day this is dropping. And then it ends September 30th. And there's some amazing packages on there. Lots of things that you can go on and bid on. And every bit of it is going to go to help fight childhood cancer. So I want to call my man in right now because I want him to kind of you know explain it to you. You guys can hear the voice behind the action. What's up, baby? Big Paul. Dude, how's the knee? How are you? It's doing good, my friend. I'm I'm uh, hanging in there. I had that done once before. Would you get meniscus surgery? Yeah, they went in there, had a full tear. They cut that jazz out, cleaned up some synovial fluid. I said that right, sweetie? Yeah, you did. All right. And then uh, say it again. Synovial fluid. Mm, I'm going to give you some synovial fluid. Ew! Look at that! So, Paul, bro, we've been we've been talking about you um, on the last couple of podcasts. We just kind of did a little. Um, uh, we just talked about you a little bit before we called you, but you've got this online auction coming up in memory of your late son to help fight childhood cancer. And just real quick, man, can you tell everybody uh, about it? Give them the deets and tell them how they can get in on all the action. Absolutely. So, definitely uh, appreciate the platform and the opportunity to share what we're doing. So September's Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And so we are going to wrap up Childhood Cancer Awareness Month with an online auction over the last few days of September. So it's up in previews right now. You can see the items that we've got at Pauly, P-A-U-L-I-E, dot givesmart.com. And so the auction is up in preview mode right now. We're going to go live on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. And the auction will run through Thursday evening at 10 p.m. So So how long have you been, how long has the auction been running? This is the third year, second year? So unfortunately, we, we lost our son five years ago. And so we almost six years ago this coming January. And so this is the fifth year that we're doing the auction. Oh, we typically nice. Do it in, yeah, we typically do it in person. So um, we do a golf outing every September. We normally sell out the golf course, have 144 golfers and 350 people on site. But we utilize the technology through a company called GiveSmart that gives us the ability to run the auction virtually so people all over the world can bid. And it. so, yeah, so we've done that while we've had people in person at the event we've also had people bidding against them all over the world so due to covid over the past few years we've gone virtual and foregone the golf portion which we're going to bring back next year and just gone forward with the online auction and this year very similar to last year we're blessed to have a big corporation out of new york uh, that is matching everything that we raise in the auction dollar for dollar up to a hundred thousand dollars that's oh awesome bro. wow <laughs> That's so awesome. So, so what, how, how do people, how can people help for this? So you're basically between Tuesday and Tuesday, 10 a.m. and Thursday, 10 p.m. They can go on this website and there's stuff for them to potentially bid on? Absolutely. So there's, there's something for everybody, really. I mean, you can go onto the website, you can take a look at the items that are up there and you can start placing bids um, as early as Tuesday morning. And then you'll be, the, your phone will alert you as 
you get outbid to allow you the chance to go back up there. It gets, it gets super competitive. So I would tell you guys and, and your listeners, um, do a lot of drinking on Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening. <laughs> get, the, get, smart. Get, get the bourbon flowing because you, you right. wind up getting hyper competitive at that point. Get the and, wallet you know, loose. That's right. Get the wallet loose. And remember, I mean, this is this is to fight kids cancer. And that's the most important thing. I mean, we went into this a few years ago, not knowing uh, how little research funding actually went to childhood cancer. Yeah. And our foundations raised one point six million at this point. But that's, you know, as as impressive as that sounds to say out loud, it's still just a drop in the bucket to what's needed. So, you know, this is an opportunity for everybody to participate. And every dollar counts. So when you go to the auction site, you'll have the ability to not only bid on items, but you can make straight donations on there and know that, you know, every dollar matters and every dollar is being matched dollar for dollar. So, you know, if everybody goes in there and donates you know, two bucks and, and skips their morning coffee, you, that's going to get doubled to four dollars. And all of those four dollars add up and can make a difference in you know, potentially saving lives. And that's what we're really trying to do. So, you know, knowing the community that we've got, we've got tons of golf outings up there at premier courses throughout the country that have been donated. There are grills galore. Yeah. We've got big green eggs are up there. We've got Weber's up there. We've got uh, our friends and friends of the show, Halteman family meets. That's donated right. Some Very incredible cool. packages. And then you got a season that meets, right? So there's an amazing reload rub and seasoning package up there as well. Thanks to you guys. <laughs> Boom. Mic drop. That's right. Oh, like I'm yeah. snooping on this website now. And like, I don't even know what I'm, I'm sorry, honey, but I'm going to be bidding on some stuff. There's like, there's, <laughs> there's sports memorabilia up there. A Zach Ertz signed football. Um, Haldeman Family Meats, like you said, a bottle of Booker's is up there. Uh, a Gosney pizza oven, which we've been talking Dude, a lot Gosney about. Dude, that Gosney pizza oven, I'm eyeballing that. Yeah, so nobody go bid on that. Yeah, those, those Gosney <laughs> suck. Don't, don't no, bid on those. No, actually bid on it. We need, we need the prices to go up. That's right. Um, but there's so much cool stuff in there. You know, I see that there's some, like, New York Jets tickets on there, like, we need some giants wah, on there. Wah, wah. Listen, I, we, we need some giants on there. We're fortunate enough to, you know, Paulie was a, a diehard 49ers fan. Yeah. And uh, we've become, you know, very close with some of the folks at the 49ers. And so they, they were generous enough to donate a signed Trey Lance football and cap from draft night. Nice. So, I saw know, that. I, I'll probably be bidding on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yoder, there's a Yoder Smokers thing on there. There's a uh, World of Wagyu. And, and, you know, like you said, a couple packages from Haltman Family Meats, which you will not be disappointed in that. Everything that's on this auction that I've seen is stellar. And it, it meets all criteria from sports memorabilia to food um, to just about anything that you want to get into. Then if you're looking for, if you're somebody that's in the market for any of this stuff, why not bid on one of these? Yeah, right. like for Christmas or something. Well, or just in general. Well, we I, need a I ceramic wanna, grill. I want to get a smoker. I want to get a ceramic grill. I want to get a pizza oven. Okay, well, why don't I get it and pay a few extra dollars and put it to an amazing cause? Yeah. That's how I look Yeah, at because it. evidently, this is something that I've heard before, and Paul, you can correct me, but I've heard that only 4% of cancer research money goes to pediatric cancers. That, that's exactly correct. And so, you that's know, it's sad. It's, it's it's scary is what it is and you know as a as a father as a parent our number one job and you guys can relate to this right our, our number one job is to protect our children and you know there's I, I can't even explain to you guys the feeling of 
having a diagnosis like this happen to your child where as a parent, there's nothing you can do to protect mm. your child. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And this is the time of year that this happened to our family. It was October 3rd, um, October 3rd, sorry, October 15th. I'm sorry, October 15th when Paulie was first feeling sick and we rushed him to the hospital, you know, and, um, so when we get into this time of year and, th and this season, you know, it, it brings back all sorts of, of rough memories. But, you know, at the same time, we, we know that what we're doing is making a tremendous impact. And we are trying to fill in the gaps that, you know, that 4% of cancer research funding, because to your point, Stacey, it's, it's not right. It's not fair. And I know that Polly was worth more than four. I know your kids are worth more than four. Amen. And, you know, that's what we've got to do. And so, Joel, I mean, you can get yourself a big green egg and a WWE championship belt. Now you're speaking Joel's language. I'm ready. Give me some Cheetos and a WWE belt. I'm in. <laughs> you're going to watch like, like alone, like with your WWE belt on eating Cheetos. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. such a man. <laughs> Come here, kids. Whoop your ass. <laughs> There you go. I mean, J Jeremy's going to need a bottle of Booker's while he's out there working his Gosney pizza oven. Definitely. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, bourbon crest. I did see that bottle of Booker's on there. That, uh, there's, that caught my eye. Uh, there's a few more treats coming. So, you know, Ooh. obviously we've been a little bit delayed this year. I was in the middle of a, of a move and then wound up with COVID. So it was, uh, it's been a little bit of a rough go this summer. So we're getting a late start to getting the auction stuff together. So there is still time. If anybody who, uh, who listens is interested in adding additional items to the auction, we can add items all throughout the auction, even once it's begun. Um, so I like it. There's, yeah, I've got more bourbon that's coming up on, onto the site. We've got uh, a few other goodies that have come in last minute that uh, I'm getting prepped to put on over the next few days. Right on, man. God will provide, my friend. He will. And um, I appreciate you coming on and, you know, telling it, speaking about this auction and informing everybody and putting a voice behind your action, man. We we love you so much, and we, we hope that you crush it this year. I appreciate all the support, guys. And uh, bid early, bid often, and... Cheers to everybody. Hey, Thank you guys so very much. Cheers, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, guys. Bye, Thanks, Paul. bud. Love that guy. Mm -hmm. Love um, him. Yeah, I, I'm like really excited. I'm getting on that website. I'm going to be bidding. <laughs> you know what? This is the one, like, Look what we got. This is the one time that I'm not going to bitch about you going on. That's right. Like, it's a good cause. So. Stacey's like, this is the easiest game ever. All you got to do is put in a higher number. That's it. Oh, fun. <laughs> I'm going to be contacting like all the things that I want. Like I'm going to be like, why don't you donate and put it on this thing so I can uh, yeah, put yeah. it on it. Like uh, a new digital scale that I need. And we'll talk about that later. That's all right. Okay. So, all right. Well, let's take a break. And on the other side, we're going to jump straight into break bread making you guys this is the intro to bread you don't want to miss it because it is good and it is tasty so stick around we'll see you on the other side what's up y'all when it comes to meat the trp crew chooses only the best haltman family meats at haltmanfamilymeats.com they bring you the true butcher shop experience fresh meat never frozen and shipped straight to your door order comes to you neatly packaged in butcher paper, trimmed, and ready to cook, guys. You no longer have to worry about cleaning up your cuts for you and your guests. Simply unwrap, cook, and serve. They have the best prime Angus fillets, dry-aged ribeyes, hand-pressed burgers stuffed with cheddar cheese, and smoked bacon, y'all. But let's not forget, you gotta add a few packages of their skirt steak for the best steak tacos you'll 
ever sink your teeth into. So right now, go to HaltemanFamilyMeats.com and use code TRP21 and you'll save 15% off the butcher shop experience that will change your life. HaltemanFamilyMeats.com All right, so now we are back from the break, and we're talking about bread, 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 bread. We never bread. thought this day would happen. Speaking to the here. mic, lady. But yes, um, <laughs> you wrecked my song. <laughs> you wrecked your own song by not speaking it into the mic. That's right. You didn't think it happened, and now the day is here. <laughs> so we have. <laughs> You're still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, right, right. So this isn't like a expert bread podcast we are literally we've got an expert on here As but jeremy said we brought someone your, else in dipping your toe into the <laughs> into the flower we're dipping your toe in so like it's always been a very intimidating thing for me but Ouch. number one number one you guys want to start doing this i'm telling you it's life-changing well i think like the whole purpose of this to like make it break it down even simpler is uh to kind of tell you how easy it is to make bread to get you interested in making bread this is not like uh this is our recipe or this is any of that this is just saying it's so easy to do and it's so it's so rewarding yes at the same time oh yeah Yeah. and just background story you know like like i said it's been like intimidating and now i know how easy it was you know and i understand what the words are and the equipment and all of that last night when we pulled a fresh loaf out of the oven and we were sitting there eating it it, it, I, I, I like kind of. It was gratifying. It was gratifying. I kind of like compare it to how you feel after a harvest. I was like, we made this out of flour, water, salt, and yeast, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, crusty, crunchy bread. And like, I would compare it to like our coffee episode. Like just this morning, you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad like you got me into pour over because it's so easy and so rewarding. Like bread is the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that hard and it's very rewarding Down once, to the basics. You, once you get into it. You know? Yeah, so yes. this is going to be the basics and, and we're going to tell you what you need to start mm-hmm. um, and what to have on hand. It seems daunting when you look at the book and you think about the process, mm-hmm. but once you get your hands dirty, it's not. Oh yeah, like we were nerding out, like we were totally into it and I cannot wait to see all the new bread posts that we're going to be seeing when all you guys are out there trying this out. That's it. So getting into this segment, what are some things like that you need to have? Like what's one of the first things you need to get? The very first thing you need to get is flour, water, salt, yeast by Ken Forkish. The Bible. Um, Go on Amazon. Yep. Uh, And if any of our followers know Ken, uh, tell them we want him on the show. Um, Mm -hmm. This is our reaching out to him right now to our millions of listeners. Please. That's right. So go to Amazon.com and look up flour, water, salt, yeast. Anybody that makes bread says this is the bread Bible. I have have a lot of books on bread. I have dozens of books on bread. This is the only one I recommend. And do you recommend this one because of, not one, because this guy knows what he's doing, Mm -hmm. but two... Because, because the way he breaks it down is because so of the, simple. Because of the way he breaks it down. Yeah. He, he, he will give you a timetable. You start this at 9 a.m. You do this at 10 a.m. You do this at 11 a.m. He gives you the baker's formula, which I don't know if you guys have gotten that deep into uh-uh. it yet. No. But what that means is every recipe starts with 1,000 grams of flour, and then everything is a percentage based off that. So if you want a 70% hydration loaf, it's 700 grams, grams of water. water. And let's say you don't want to make two loaves. You want to make 10 loaves. So you just multiply that whole thing by five. That's It's that simple. So he breaks things down in a very simple, very easy to uh, understand way. 
And one of the first things he does in the book, besides breaking down like the art of making bread and stuff, is he tells you all the equipment you need to get. And uh, that's what we're going to do in this first part. We're going to talk about the equipment you need. Um, There's a lot of really basic stuff. Um, I'd probably say the first thing is a really good kitchen scale, which you should have Mm -hmm. already for all of your other kitchen stuff. I agree. And what I was actually going to say, and and I'm glad you said scale first, because... To me, like I'm used to using teaspoons and tablespoons and quarter cups so and inaccurate. stuff like that. Yeah. Don't be intimidated when you hear a thousand grams. All you have to do is get a scale, change the units to grams. Yeah. And so what we did was we had a Cambro uh, tub. A t- what size was that? You're using 12 a, quart? No, you're using a six quart, but I use a 12 quart. Okay. Yeah. We had a six quart Cambro tub, which I highly recommend. We'll go into that in a little we'll bit. We'll get into but those later, yeah. Yeah, you zero it on your scale and change it to grams. And all you have to do is pour your flour in until it says a thousand grams. Like, Done. it's easy. Yeah. And you should have that just for, um, you should have a, a scale that measures in grams in your kitchen just for so many things. Coffee. We use it for our coffee. I mm-hmm. I use mine every morning with my coffee. I use it with my bread making. I use it in recipes when I'm building a recipe, doing development and stuff. That food way prep. I can be, exactly, food prep, measuring you, out your stuff. I use it with my food prep every week. Do you know one of the reasons we got a scale in the uh, very beginning is, we had this scale for it's our scale sucks yeah you know but it, but, it, but it works we would use it when i was processing deer yeah to weigh, I, to, to weigh out our ground meat i would portion out ground meat or portion out my steaks into yeah. the ounces i wanted exactly so i mean you can use it for multiple different things yeah that's something you should have in your kitchen and that's probably one of the only things on this list that you have to have uh the, everything else kind of has a substitute you can find around the kitchen um and digital Digital, yeah, digital scale. a digital scale that weighs in grams um, to the tenth of a gram. Um, it, you know, if you really want to be like super precise about sure. it, because some of the stuff we're going to measure is going to be in very small amounts. Uh, but a scale is the first thing you need, and you should have that whether you're making bread or not. Amen. Uh, second, I'm thinking like for me, jumping into it was the Cambro bins. I would say second would be the Dutch oven. Dutch oven there for sure. Go. Yeah, you got to make because you, go. uh, you could use a bowl. Or something for yeah, the yeah. cameras. The, everything else is going to be substitutable. Uh, the only other really requirement thing is a Dutch oven. The method that we use, the method he uses in his thing is is a Dutch oven. You only need one. I have six because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> but a Dutch oven, a cast iron Dutch oven, it can be enamel cast iron or just regular. You can get one for a lodge from Lodge for like 30 bucks or something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not expensive. Or you can get some Camp really Chef. nice ones. Yeah, Camp Chef has some great ones. Uh, I have a Camp Chef one. Um, I have some from... Uh, um, field cast iron has them. I mean, everybody has a Dutch oven. Do you feel like, cause we've got the enamel and we've got the regular like cast the iron. Crusade, do you feel like, it? do you feel like there's a, a, a difference between the two? Just, no. it's, it's one going to stick in. No. So it'll pop out either you're, way. You're, you're going to cook. So bread cook, we'll get into this in like the second part, but bread cooks at such a crazy high temperature that it's not going to stick. I, um, and I was shocked by that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll get into that later, but the Dutch oven is super important because, uh, when you're cooking bread during the first part of the bread cook, it has to steam and there's no way to vent steam into a home oven. Professional deck ovens have steam vented into them and, we can't do that at home. There's no way to do it. So what we do is we have a high hydration bread. You put it in a Dutch oven. It steams itself during the first part of the cook. You take the top off to brown it, use that Maillard reaction Steam. at the end. But you have to have a Dutch oven to do that. And there's really no way to replicate a Dutch oven. Plus, a Dutch oven is super useful to cook with. It's so versatile. We, we deep fry in them. Um, we did the we, apple we, fritters with them last week. Exactly. Uh, there's so many things you can do. Uh, you can braise a roast in the oven in it. You can do... 
there's countless things you can do with a Dutch oven. Mm -hmm. So it's really highly recommended just to have a Dutch oven. So on the point of the Dutch oven, two things. One, is there a certain size that is... That we should recommend I people buy. He, I think the six quart is kind of the standard, standard. size. Um, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, we can look that up in the book or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the six, six quart is the standard size for yeah. like like a normal Dutch oven, and that, and that's what the a good a good size for a loaf of bread is. But like, say you have like a ten quart or something, you can still cook your bread in there. No big yeah. deal. It'll just be like a little bit like elongated or something, you know. So I have a um, I, I do recommend that if you're going to get a Dutch oven that you get the enameled one and here's why if, mm-hmm. if you don't have one because i don't feel like the oils penetrate into the dutch oven like they do a cast iron so i cleaned it i was uh I, we have the cast iron that's not enameled and we have the cast iron that's enameled mm-hmm. and if i fry fish or if i fry something out like you know something in that those flavors are going to penetrate into that porous cast iron because we have one and i cleaned it out yesterday boiled it everything and you could still kind of smell a little bit of that fry oil that was in there and i was afraid that was going to penetrate into my bread so we went ahead and used the enameled dutch oven that we have so um we'll get into this a little bit later but you have to preheat your cast iron at like 500 degrees and if there's any oil on that thing it'll burn it right off during the preheat okay Okay. yeah so we had cleaned it and we were just too afraid because we had fried fish in it we were like I, you know, this is our first time cooking bread. I don't yeah. want anything to alter it. So we used Control the, the variables. One. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. But now that I know that, cause yeah, we, we cooked it at 475. Like we yeah. preheated the mm-hmm. Dutch oven prior to. And so, yeah. so yeah. Cause we were like, okay, this is designated for frying only. Yeah. <laughs> and then this, we'll use this one for yeah, bread. Yeah, totally. Um, so those two things, your scale and your Dutch oven, um, those are must haves. Those are not optional. Yeah, you have to have those things. Uh, everything else we're going to talk about on this list, it's nice to have, but you don't have to have. And now we're just talking equipment. We're not talking actual like materials and stuff yet. Sure. Uh, so, uh, Stacey, you brought up the Cambros. Uh, Cambros are super nice to have. They have uh, round containers. Um, I use a round two quart for my sourdough starter. I use my six quarts for storing ingredients. And then I have a 12 quart for mixing my bread in. And what this is, is a big round container with a lid. So while your bread is resting and proofing, you don't have to cover it with a towel. You don't have to make things dirty. It has a lid that it comes with. You're good to go there. And then what you do is you mix your bread and you fold your bread inside of this Cambro container. So your Mm -hmm. counter doesn't get dirty. All the mess is contained to this container and you're only cleaning one thing when you're done. And I love that. Yeah. I love that we like, were able to do everything in that container. And I think, like yeah. you said, you don't have to have it. No, you can just use a big bowl. You don't have to have a container, but it's nice to have. But what yeah. I liked about it is that, you know, like you said, it, it's round, not the square one. Yeah. And it has like the 90 degree angle of the walls rather than a bowl mm-hmm. that is kind of like concave, yeah. concaved or yep. whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of work your fingers around to get underneath the dough without like really messing up the gluten and really like working your dough too hard. So I was able to be a lot more gentle with it. Yeah. Um, it, we'll get into this a little more. Well, just now, um, if you work your dough too hard, you'll degas it and then, mm-hmm. you know, you'll kind of kill what's going on inside there. So you want to be pretty gentle when you're doing your folds, but yeah, the, uh, Cambros make it super easy. And then they have a lot of uses just around the house and stuff. Like I actually have, um, two of the six quarts, the one you made your bread in, I have one for my AP flour and then one for my whole wheat flour. And that's what I store my flour in with a scoop. So I'm not opening a bag and making a mess because those bags are real messy when you're opening and closing them. Mm -hmm. And I just keep my flour in some of those Cambro containers. I have so much 
camera up around my kitchen. <laughs> it's really amazing, especially like like. And we got ours off Amazon. Yeah, they're not expensive at all. Like mm-hmm. they're the stuff is made for like commercial kitchens, so it's really nice to organize your kitchen with Cambro stuff because it's mm-hmm. just it's just really nice and easy. And it was easy to clean. Um, now a piece of equipment that might not be like on the desired list, but something that I found that I used mm-hmm. quite a bit that me and Joel used was um an instant read thermometer. So we used that um, to check our the like the water temperature to make sure it was correct, yeah. the dough temperature to make sure it was correct, um, or in in the, you know. Yeah. So if, if you if you're a meat eater listening to this podcast, like and yeah. you don't you have, have one, you have an instant read thermometer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I use mine when checking water temperatures. Like what I do is is I get the water at the right temp out of the tap and go from there. Um, and then if you're new to bread making, Ken actually get, Ken Forkish in his book will give you. Um, desired temperatures at different stages of the bread making process. Once you get it down, you don't really care about that anymore. Right. But in the beginning, it's nice to be able to check your temperatures and stuff and know where you're at and stuff. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you how vital that was. It's not. Okay. It like it has something to do with like how quick it rises and so, yes. Yeah, so so uh, that has to do with fermentation. So um, if your bread is too warm, it'll ferment too fast and proof too fast. And if you overproof your bread, it'll actually collapse on itself instead of rising and like making a nice, beautiful loaf. And if it's too cold, it won't proof quick enough. So you have a range you want to hit too cold. It won't get there fast enough Too warm. It'll get there too fast. It's like cooking. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, it, it, if your grill's too hot, you're going to overshoot that steak and have it burnt. If it's too cold, you know, you're still going to have a raw steak inside. You want to hit that perfect temperature. It's kind of and as idea. a beginner, I appreciated having that because I was like, yes. I, you know, we made it and we had mixed the dough and then we, it said, you want it between 77 and 78. And I stuck that thermometer in there and it was like right there. And I yeah. thought, oh mm-hmm. my God, it was like satisfaction for exactly. me. Like I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah. It, well, it, it puts your mind at ease. Okay. Yeah. I'm where I'm now, I'm where I need to be. Which, which Ken talks about this, like in his book and stuff, like he actually tested all these recipes, like at his house, like at home and not in his bakery because his bakery is a lot hotter than a regular house. Cause he's running right. all these deck ovens every day. So the, the, the numbers would be way off. So he realized that took it out of that environment, tested the recipes at his home wow. where it's a normal temperature where you live at and stuff, you yeah. know, where there's not a bunch of deck ovens running so that uh-huh. you would be able to hit these temperatures and get to the right thing. Um, which is why this book is so pertinent. Yes, yeah, he does a great job of it. it. He he takes a very clinical approach to how to make bread, which is not what a lot of bread books do. A lot of bread books are by feel. And when you get to know your bread, it is a lot by feel, but starting out, that doesn't help you at all. And some of you guys that are listening, I mean, believe me, when Jeremy and Matt first started making bread, I gave two shits about making bread. Um, Until Jeremy started coming over with warm loaves. When and then Jeremy, we were like, oh. I, no, I'm serious. Joel's when, like, let's learn. When you taste. <laughs> no, he's like, Stacy, learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, no read. No, uh, but no, it's, that is the difference. <laughs> I got you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> but no, that is the difference. When the first time you taste a fresh loaf of bread. Yeah, this isn't no wonder bread. No, man, because that's who I was. I'm like beef stew and white sliced bread. White Mm. cheap bread. Marita, whatever the hell it's called. Um, There's a huge difference, man, and it's so good so satisfying and it's got i'm on a bread high right now oh yeah you and you're like 
slicing and it's like crunching and you think, oh man, like the chili I could dip this into or like mm-hmm. the goulash or, I mean. We did the easiest, we'll, we'll get into sex. Yeah, sorry. Anyways, okay, so, so next uh, on the list. Next thing I would say would be uh, your proofing baskets. Uh, again, this is something that you can cobble together at home. You don't have to have, but um, a banneton. It yeah, it makes it pretty. Um, a banneton basket is a, um, it's a wicker type basket uh, that has like rounds um, around it. You can look these up to see to get a picture of exactly what they look look like. But what this is, is um, after you do your bulk fermentation, you divide your loaves and you put them into these baskets so they can proof. And they have these ridges on the side so the bread can easily climb up the side and make a nice round boule or loaf. And then you can bake it. Um, And they're just really nice. But what you can also do is you can get a bowl, put a... um, put a, uh, a dish towel in there, powder it with a bunch of flour, and it'll act as the same thing. It'll climb up that dish towel on the side without sticking because it has that flour on there. Um, so you can do this at home, but the Banneton baskets are not expensive. You can get a two-pack for like 25 bucks or something, um, you know. And I'll tell you what I did, you know, when, when I first started you know, nine months ago when I said, oh, I'm going to go and do this. And here we are. Um, I went on Amazon and it's called Kook, K-O-O-K. It's like 20 bucks and you get two of the proofing baskets. You get the lame. We'll talk about that later. It's for scoring the bread. Um, you mm-hmm. get the bench scraper and all of that. And so I had everything that I needed for 20 bucks. Yeah. And I think that I think the baskets to me are a must. And the reason I say that is, when you were, it was satisfying how beautiful it was. So it was so satisfying, yeah, seeing yeah. the texture of the bread. Yeah. It was like, I just made some art. It was, yeah. it was, I really enjoyed it. I would highly recommend getting them um, just because it's it, it's not going to break the bank. You know, you're getting into something. Like, you, they're going to last you for years. I have like four baskets and I've had them for years, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the, they're going to last forever as long as you uh, flower them well between each use. And then afterwards, um, we were just talking about this. I, because um, like if you worked in a bakery and you were using them every day, you wouldn't need to really clean them because they're getting so much use. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have a stiff bristle brush just for my ba- baskets and I brush them out between each use just so there's not like dried stuff on them. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the dough is very wet and will kind of stick to them a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so I would just do, uh, you know, just brush them out between uses. Um, don't and, wash them. And, and don't wash them. Just brush them out, let them dry on the counter and then stack them up and put them away between uses. Um, very simple. So fun. Um, those are all the essentials that I have. Uh, what do you, what do you have? So, um, we were following a, a video on YouTube that we saw just so that we could see the techniques of the bread that we did. And we'll talk about the bread that we Kenneth did. Kenneth has some videos on YouTube. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were using a oven thermometer. So the guy was explaining that, you know, even though you set your oven to 475 degrees, yeah. it might be running cooler. Now, do you use that? So... Yes and no. It's good to have an oven thermometer to test your oven to see how it runs. My oven runs about 30 degrees cool. So I know that I don't need to use an oven thermometer every time because I've used an oven thermometer. Okay. Okay. So you don't have have to leave it in there forever. Like you can use it a few times and be like, okay, like this, but you guys have, I think I want to get one. You have a brand new oven and you have gas, right? Mm -hmm. So yours might actually run a little bit hot. Um, you know, it just depends. It what he said to do in the book yeah. was money yeah. on how it turned out. I mean, it was yeah. money. But I, I kinda wanna get one of these. And what it is, guys, is it's um it's like a little silver dial type thermometer that hangs from your rack. It's like five bucks on Amazon or something. Yeah. And I think like, I'm gonna get one. Yeah, like it, it gets in your way, especially around the holidays and stuff. So like I wouldn't leave it in there forever. But just, just for bread. Just try it out. No, no, just just when you're using your oven, leave it in there for a week. Just and just, to and see. just check your temperatures. But see, that's your the thing. oven what? hits five. 
500, open it up and look at it and be like, oh, okay, it's at like 490. We're like real close. Or mm-hmm. Once you know what it runs, that's what it runs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you once know. you start making the bread, I, I can assume that you're going to know, okay, that I'm going to do it for this long and, yeah. and, you know, take the lid off at this point. Exactly. So th- that's just like a, a, a fun thing to have, but it's not really essential for anything. But it, but it's a fun thing to test. Like, is your oven running accurately? And if we get yeah. a new oven, I would test the new oven, you know? Um, bench scraper. Yeah. What is a bench scraper? So um, a, a bench scraper and a bench knife are two different things. Um, oh, okay. a, a bench knife is like um, about six inches wide, a flat piece of metal with a handle on the backside of it. And so it's, that's and what it's we for used. The, the metal one? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a bench knife. And so it's for like picking up dough and scraping dough off your countertop when you're like forming your bowls and stuff. Or, or cutting it in half. Yeah, or we cutting used it, in it to half. cut the, the and dough. Then you also have your, fe- your flexible bench scrapers, which are like plastic ones. And those are nice for like bending and getting the dough out of your cambros oh. and stuff. Okay, we didn't um, use that. Yeah, so so that's what those are. And um, again, not essential at all, but very convenient to use. And you can get like an Amazon Basics one for like $5. Yeah. Um, that's what I use. They have a really nice Amazon Basic one. Uh, last thing that I would say is um, very important to have, which I don't feel like we have. And it is a nice bread knife, if this is something that you're going to be doing. Because oh, yeah. we were having a little tough time cutting you guys it. You have the Jeremy. jankiest bread knife I've ever seen. Pamper chef, my Like, you're, you're throwing away vintage cast iron and getting <laughs> bread knives out of the garbage can. Like, I was so underwhelmed. I would have pre-cut that loaf of bread last week had I known that was what you guys it were was, working with it's here. It's terrible. Um. It's terrible. And I want something, I have this beautiful bowl of bread, and it's got like those little spirals of flour on it and then I'm having to pull out this cheap ass knife. I'm telling you, we've got two knives but neither one of them are suited for the job and they end up smushing the bread more than they are doing a nice cut. So So, so I need some help. A bread knife is serrated because it needs teeth to bite into the bread. That's what a bread knife is. I would recommend something in the 8 to 10 inch range. uh, Slightly longer, like the 10 inches is usually what I go for. Um, I think... Mine actually might be 12 inches. Like they make some longer ones, but you want a longer knife. You don't want like a four inch bread knife. That's no. just like a steak knife. Yeah. Um, and then um, Dow Strong has some great ones. I have a Dow Strong one right now that I absolutely love. Um, okay. I, I cut one of my fingers open one time with it because it's so sharp. It's awesome. Um, but you can list. you can get one from like, um, what are some cheaper knife brands like Victoria Knox, Mercer, stuff like that. Like yeah. they have like commercial grade ones. You can get one for like 15 bucks and it's great to have. Is it good though? That's what I, that was my question. Is those are the commercial so, ones? The, the yeah. one we have in there that we you shit on is Pampered Chef, and the one you have is like so thin, and the teeth are so small, and it's not sharp. Yes, yeah, it's, it not, it's dull. I can run my I can run my thumb across it. I but, cannot run my thumb my thumb across mine. Right. Yeah. So, but that's what I'm getting at is is it worth getting the cheap one, or if you feel like is it better but to go ahead and make a little into? bit of an investment? I mean, because... I mean, yeah, no, I mean, like, I think the one I have from um, from Dow Strong is maybe, like, 90 bucks or so. So, I mean, that opposed to, like, a $20 cheaper one. But, like, what makes it different is, like, the one I have from Dow Strong has, like, this really cool handle with, like, inserts in it, and it has, like, um, uh, Damascus steel running through it sure. and stuff. Like, it's just a fancier knife. It's not that it's, like... Better, better steel. No, yeah. you know, it's just it's just a fancier knife. You can go and get like a commercial grade one. And like those ones are meant for commercial kitchens. Like they're, not they're, pre- meant, they're not pretty, but they yeah, get the job it's done. It's going to have a plastic handle and it's going to be just a, a bare steel thing. But, you know, 
it's a workhorse is what it is, yeah. you know? So as long as you have a sharp one and then like, if it gets super dull, like it was 20 bucks, go get a new one. That's what I think, you know, to make sure you're going to get into this, but the key is stick you, with it. The key is you have to go get a new one when your pampered chef <laughs> crappy one gets dull as hell. That's I'm putting it key. on my to-do <laughs> list. <for> the- <laughs> yeah. So two, two years from now, you'll have a new one. That's right. <laughs> hey, you don't have to give me, yeah, you don't have to like, Entice me to go buy something. All right, is that our kitchen. our essential? I think we did. It equipment. is just so pen and paper. You've got uh, digital scale, proofing bowls, thermometer, bench scraper, and, and bench knife. Uh, your Cambros, um, and obviously, you definitely need Dutch oven. Much at must have is Dutch oven and digital scale. Digital, digital scale, scale. must yeah. haves. So if you get two out of the things we talked about, you can get started on the bread, but. If you can get all those things, it's going to make your bread making a lot easier. Okay, so we talked equipment and everything that you need to get started. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to start talking about the ingredients you're going to need and technique and how to go ahead and get from start to finish. You got your crusty loaf of bread. That's, that's right. All right, we're going to take a break. See you on the other side. I don't know about you, but as a bourbon lover, I get sick and tired of my high-quality spirits being tainted by plastic or metal flasks when I'm on the go or in the outdoors. Not to mention having them spring a leak in my pack or back pocket. Guys, I had enough, and it's time you do the same by jumping on board with the TRP crew and get proper. Rag proper. These modern flasks are a perfect vessel for all your favorite spirits. Each flask is built of thick, break-resistant glass, then wrapped in a high-end silicone or dark brown leather for that perfect high-end feel and look that a proper person such as yourself deserves. Your spirits deserve more, and so do you. So do the right thing and head to ragproper.com so you can get your hands on the highest quality, best-looking, best-feeling, best-pouring, best-look-how-proper-I-am flask on the market. Use code TRP21 and save to get you your spirits what they deserve rag proper welcome back to the show everybody we're gonna jump right into making some bread all right so um again to reiterate the first part of this get flour water salt yeast by ken forkish we're gonna run through some basics of what it is to make bread but if you want these actual recipes get the book um it is well worth the investment of like 19 dollars or whatever it is um, but the first thing we want to talk about are the actual ingredients. And the reason Ken named his book flour, water, salt, yeast is because those are the only ingredients you need. And something I want to uh, point out, don't, don't say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and start making this bread and then start looking through your pantry, looking for these items. Make sure you've got the ingredients and the correct ingredients on hand because that can vary. I mean, it's like, there's so many variables to these things. Um, get your ingredients first before you start this out. Yes. You don't want to be scrambling and running to the store and mm-hmm. trying to find the right stuff. Uh, first thing up, uh, flour. Yep. Um, there are lots of flowers on the shelf when you go to the store. Um, I only use King Arthur flour because that is what Ken recommended and I did a bunch of research. And the thing about King Arthur flour is they produce a very stable product. They tell you the protein percentage in their flour uh-huh. and it remains consistent. The protein percentage will tell you how how glutinous the flour is going to be. Like your bread flours have a higher protein percentage in them because they're more glutinous and they create more gluten structure and that's a thing. So the, you know? is the gluten does like the stability of the bread? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so like your, uh, your cake flours will be very low protein because you want a very soft dough. You don't want that gluten development in it. That's right. what like a cake flour would be. So he recommends um, 
King Arthur flowers. And um, I don't even use the bread flour because their AP, their all-purpose flour, has a very high do- uh, uh, um, protein percentage in it. I think it's like 13.3%, which like most other brands' bread flour isn't even 13%, you know? Right. So I use their AP flour. You're going to want all-purpose flour, and you're going to want whole wheat flour. Those are the two you're going to want from King Arthur. Now, are those like the only two you ever use? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, like, I, I do something special or something. Yeah, I mean, like, um, we can get into that more later, but if I was making like a rye sourdough, you need rye flour. You know, there are, there, there are different mm-hmm. specialty flours out there, but those are the two main ones that I use. I always have those two in stock at my house. And so um, there are also like specialty flours. If you live in an area where there's like... Um, a custom mill where they're milling their own flowers and doing these organic stuff. Like by all means, explore that. But like, you know, that's kind of a specialty thing. But that's kind of something that's really like for outside me, the box. Not going to happen most times. What yeah. we used was the King Arthur's all purpose yep. flour. And you know, like you said, mm. it, was it a hundred, was a hundred percent all purpose? Uh, I think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And th- so what's intimidating too is when you go to the flower section, there's bleached, there's unbleached, there's self-rising, there's mm-hmm. all-purpose, there's bread flour. Um, so many different things. But, you know, from being friends with you, I had King Arthur's yes. all-purpose and I knew that it was going to be kind of foolproof, everything that we yeah. needed uh, to get a good start on, yeah. on making that. So and that's what we had. The problem with the other flowers is that um, they don't tell you what the protein percentage is in the flower. So you don't actually know what you're getting. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like it could be great. It could not be great. Like if they don't put it on the label, then they're not held to making the same percentage of protein in every bag so of flour. So it could be different results each so time. So one bag could be 9%, one bag could be 11%, one bag could be 13%. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're getting. With King Arthur, they like King Arthur's a little bit more expensive, but you have a very consistent result I over, love that. over there. Consistency. Exactly. I want something I can trust. Yeah. Because with baking of, of any kind, you want to replicate, replicate, replicate. Mm-hmm. And if you're moving around you with different products, it. you're not going to replicate what you what you just made before. Yeah. You're going to exactly. get King different. Arthur's all purpose. Get that. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. And then the, the next flour that you would need would be, would be their whole wheat, but uh, we can get into that later. That's yeah. more for like sourdough and stuff. Sure. Um, the next ingredient you need to have, uh, the next part of the title of the book, water. Um, if you drink the water out of your tap at your house, it's good to use in bread. If you don't drink the water out of the tap in your house because it's too hard or too soft, it's not good to use in bread. Right. That's kind of the rule of thumb. If you're not drinking that water, uh, just use bottled water. Um, we have city water at our house. It's fine. We drink it all the time. Like we use our tap water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we used our tap water Exactly. Too. And like, that's going to be like your local ingredient. You know, people say like, oh, like, you know, you can't get New York City pizza out of New York. You know why? Because of their water. Uh, they say, oh, you can't get Cuban bread outside of like, you know, Cuban or, uh, Cuba or Florida and stuff. It's because of the water. That's you interesting. Know? And the, the water is the huh. second biggest ingredient in your bread. Uh, it's a super important. That's what's going to make your bread your bread. Yeah. So I actually kind of freaked out a little bit because we used our tap water for it. And then I thought, you know, I was watching this video where the guy was using artisanal water out of some spigot out of his city. Douchebag. Yeah. And so (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. I said, Joel, should we have used like bottled water? Mm -hmm. And, um, but then I remember you telling us that you just used tap. So I was like, okay, well hopefully it turns out fine. And and it turned out great. And like we were saying before, like you need your instant read thermometer. And what I do is I, uh, I turn my tap on, I get it hot and then I back it down until, and I hold my instant read thermometer underneath the tap water until I hit the temperature that I want for the bread, like 90, 95 degrees, whatever. And then I, and then I measure it out from there. Um, if you're not doing that, if you're using bottled water, um, measure your water out, put it into a 
container, put it in your microwave and blast it for 10 seconds at a time until you get, you know, the mm-hmm. temperature you're looking for. And you for. can always add cold to it. So what we yeah. did is we had, we had made a uh, coffee in our kettle yeah. uh, that morning and we still had some in there. And so we temped that and it was like 104 degrees and yeah. Joel just put little, little squirts of, of cold water in there until we had what we needed. Well, you guys have the, um, the kettle that you can set the temperature to. I wonder if you can set it to like 95 degrees. It won't go It only low. goes to 104. Oh, okay. I got so you. we yeah. got, we did, yeah. we got it up there and then I just kind of cooled it a little bit at a time. With Until some, we got gotcha, to the gotcha. 95 degrees that we wanted. I did, I did see where, which I think this method's overcomplicated. Mm-hmm. The way you were talking about, that's how it needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. But this guy, he, he filled up a canister of water mm-hmm. and then he boiled water. And then he added hot water to it. It was until, so easy with our kettle. Yeah, that seems hard. Yeah. That, seemed, that seemed way overcomplicated. And we just no. used our ThermaPro, uh, yeah. or our Thermo, what is it? ThermaWorks. ThermaWorks, uh, instant read thermometer, and just, just stuck it in the kettle yeah. and until we got to the 95 degrees. And like, that, that's, you know, plenty fine to do. But like, honestly, I just turn my tap on all the way to hot and then I back it down until I get to the degree I want. And then I just measure out from there. Money. Like, mm-hmm. it's so easy. Done. Yeah. Um, so flour, water, next is salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not use iodized salt. You want sea salt. You want a fine grain sea salt that will dissolve easily into the bread. Do not use kosher salt. Okay. It is too big. It is too chunky. It will not dissolve properly into the bread. It will not become homogenous with the rest of the loaf. You want fine sea salt. Oh, that's what we used. That's yeah. what you used. Yeah. Used fine sea salt. Yep. I buy it by like the two pound container at Costco. Like that's what we use for all of our cooking when I need like a fine grain sea salt. We mm-hmm. also have a bunch of other salts, but like sea salt is what you want for this. Okay. So, so that fine sea salt, you, not you, table salt. Uh, that's, not table salt because because um, NACL is table salt and, and it is iodized and that will leave a very off flavor in your bread. So you're, we, so you're, we scored. Like we made the right choices <laughs> without even knowing. I know. So you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I would have rather you said, man, we read this book and, uh, and, and took it to heart. But yeah, that works too. It's better, to be, it's better to be lucky. <laughs> so are you, are you are saying that sea salt is a must. Like yes. Yeah. And that's a good I flavor. mean, like you should have, sea, like, I think we pay like $4 for a two pound jug of sea salt and it lasts us like yeah. six months in our house. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it, in these recipes, you're going to use like maybe like 21, 22 grams of salt, you know, and you're getting like a two pound container at a time, like mm-hmm. and salt lasts forever. So it's mm-hmm. not like it's a perishable item. Yes. hundred percent. All right. Leading us to our next one, which is a perishable item. And that is the yeast. Uh-huh. yeast. And that's yeast. what makes me kind of like, it gave me a little bit of anxiety because I'm like so confused on what do I get? And yeah. am I going to get the wrong thing? It's, it's so scientific and it, it's really not. Yeast is a, is a funny thing. So um, the one Ken recommends in his book and the one that I use is uh, Red Star Instant Yeast. Uh, you can buy it in a one pound uh, container off Amazon for like $11. It's not crazy expensive. And uh, that one pound thing will last me about a year as long as I keep it sealed up and in the fridge. And dark. You yes. Said. Yeah. It needs to be in a dark, cold space. Um, Back you know, of the fridge. Y- no. Yeah, um, wherever. Um, but you know, it needs to be like kept in the package. Don't put it into a glass jar where it's going to get light on it all the time. Okay. Leave it in the package. I put it like in a quart Ziploc baggie and seal it tight and keep it in the fridge. And I pull it out when I need to use it because you use very little amounts at a time. And, uh, we were talking about this this morning. Um, we're using instant yeast, instant yeast and dry and active dry yeast are the same strand of yeast except the active dry yeast is a slightly larger uh, granule the instant yeast is a little bit smaller so it dissolves a little bit better and you don't have to pre-dissolve it in the water right you add it 
you know, when you want to, to the recipe, which is important because we're going to get some terms here in a minute that we don't add it to water. Right. Um, so that's why instant yeast, the other option for yeast, and this is not something you're really going to find in America because it's not very popular here, but over in Europe, or if you're watching YouTube channels, uh, from Europe, they use a lot of a uh, uh, fresh yeast over there, mm-hmm. which comes like in a powdered form, right? And it's a lot less potent than your dried yeast and your instant yeast. And so, what happens is you have to use a lot more yeast, and it has an extremely short shelf life, which is why it's not popular here. Sounds terrible. It's uh, <laughs> no, no, it's actually a lot more flavorful because it's not not been dried. But you have to use more of it, though, right? You have to use like three times the amount. So wow. if you're using, well, no, if you're using a gram, you use three grams. You know, I got gotcha. you. Um, but it has a very short shelf life. So if you're going to use it, you need to um, get a small amount, use it quickly and then replenish your supply. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've never worked with it just because it's, um, you're not going to find it, you know, on the shelf here. You'd have to special and that, order That it. goes back to your consistency thing. You know, if you want, like, don't switch Something it up. you can trust. Stick, yeah, stick yeah. with what you know. Exactly, yeah. Um, and like, um, you know, if you're not, if you're only cooking bread once every two or three months, um, you know, Get yourself, you know, a warm cup of water, uh, put a little bit of sugar in there, just like a little tiny teaspoon and put a teaspoon of your yeast in there, mix it up. And if it gets all frothy and bubbly within five minutes, that yeast is good to use and you can go ahead and use it like regular. I use my yeast at least two or three times a week because I'm constantly baking stuff. Yep. You know, um, my burger buns and my pizzas and my breads and my different stuff. So I'm constantly using my yeast so I know it's good. But if you haven't used it in a month or two, just do a little test like that because um, yeast activates in warm water, uh, not boiling hot water. Water over 100 and like, 10 or 15 degrees will kill the yeast. So warm water, your body is at 98 degrees. So if you put your hand under the tap and it feels like nothing, it doesn't feel cold. It doesn't feel hot. It's probably right about 98 degrees. Get a cup of that, a little bit of sugar because yeast loves to eat sugar, mix it together and just let it froth on there. And if it gets all frothy, you're good to go. Dump that out. And then use your yeast like regular. Okay. Okay. And so, so, you know, to make it easy, what I would do is I would just go to Amazon, like Jeremy said, and get yep. Red Star Instant Yeast. And, of course, keep that in your refrigerator. We did not have that. We kind of made this on a whim. Mm-hmm. They had the little yellow packets that you see in the bread uh, store, and it said, like, active dry yeast. And we had seen a video with a guy making the bread recipe that we had done. And all he had to do was put a little bit of warm water in with that active yeast, and it kind of made, like, a little clay ball like, that like we paste, sprinkled. Yeah. yeah. Um, you but, have to pre-dissolve the active dry yeah, yeast. Yeah. And so you can do that if you've got the packets at home. But I would just recommend if you get the instant yeast uh, – the instant dry yeast, you just sprinkle it over your dough and it's as easy as that. So yeah. oh, I think just that, get the right yeast. Yeah, that's what I think because, you know, you have the question of, am I putting too much water in this? Am I but not putting enough water in it? And then I had this little clay ball. It was like a I little was, ball and they say to break it up over And I was breaking your, it up over yeah, the dough. Yeah, that's not and, good. And, and, and it was inconsistent. I get like, stop talking about that because it's not good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned, out, it turned out really, really good. But to me, like I want to just sprinkle it over the dough yeah. it's just it seems yeah. like it would disperse easier than what we You're did getting a better so product. we kind of overcomplicated it so um to get off that and to get into making bread because it'll make more sense once we get into the making the bread part of why you want that instant yeast um you know so let's jump into the saturday dough rest or the saturday bread recipe yeah, that you guys so, made so um, matt you know mr matt Farr and jeremy always teased me I, I i loved their sourdough I bought this book and I was going to do a sourdough starter. And they were like, no, 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 no. Start with the Saturday white bread. It's page 81 in Ken Forkish book. 
Um, so, like, and this is a good place to kind of learn yeah, the so basics. What Ken does in this book is uh, he starts with really, really simple, mm-hmm. basic same-day recipes and works all the way up to the really complicated five- or six-day-long sourdough recipes. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, me and Matt did the same thing. We started at page one in the book and worked our way up, you know, and then it becomes just a little bit harder each time, an overnight bread, a couple-day bread, a sourdough, you know, so you feel like you're learning skills and building upon those skills skills um, versus looking at something yeah. that's so overcomplicated and you're like nope and you bail i made the same like you know i've been doing bread for, i've been doing this bread for probably over five years now but I, for like the first year i just made saturday saturday bread you know because it was easy and then i did some overnight breads and then i did you know like i worked up i built on those skills so uh the saturday bread is what you guys just made yeah and what i would say is like you know as you being a lot more experienced with this, like when I would hear Saturday white bread, like the day bread or whatever you would make, I was like, I wasn't as excited to make it. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. Oh wow. It's like a one day bread. It's going to be shit. No, yeah. it's freaking awesome. It's the, an excellent spot to start at. The only difference with like a longer bread is the longer you can ferment something, the more flavor it's going to have, mm-hmm. you know, uh, fermentation. Like we talk about, you know, um, uh, bourbons and beers all the time. It's the fermentation that gives them those flavors yes. and stuff. So, you know, you're, you're still going to have bread. You're still going to have a beer. You're still going to have a bourbon. It's just not going to have that long fermentation mm-hmm. to it. So and I can it's see still, that. It's still a great thing. The consistency was know. perfect. It yeah. was like dense and had a great mm-hmm. chew to it and it had a nice crispy crust. And the flavor was really good. But yeah. like I could definitely tell that more flavor would, would, I could see where that would expend upon. Exactly. Yeah. And to me, when that first, when that bread came out of the oven, just looking at it, the smell, the texture, mm-hmm. I felt like I wanted to go show this off. Like I wanted to make a yeah. loaf for somebody. Like, look what I made for you. Look <laughs> you know you. what I mean? Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> so can we can we get into making this in general? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, like, uh, we're just going to go through this recipe briefly and kind of explain some terms and stuff and maybe kind of go through some pitfalls that you guys had some trouble with and stuff. If you want this recipe, though, get his book because we're not actually going into the recipe and stuff. This is just kind of a companion to kind of explain some of the stuff that's in there. Um, And the first thing is, you know, measuring out all your ingredients. Um, You know, he uses Baker's formulas, uh, you know, with a a thousand grams of flour and then you have percentages off everything else. You know, um, if it's a thousand grams and you have of um, one per, or two, 2% salt. That's 20 grams because that's 2% of a thousand. Um, you know, so it's very simple. And then, um, the first step, uh, 30 minutes before you start is you're going to auto lease your dough. And this is why you want to use instant yeast instead of dry active yeast, because what you're going to do is you're going to combine your flour and your water together, mix it up inside of your camber that we talked about. And what that's going to do, it's going to hydrate the flour and get oh. it prepared to go. That way you're not putting the yeast in yet. What you're doing is you're just letting the flour and the water get to know each other for like 20, 30 minutes before you start making the bread. And this just helps make a smoother bread. It just helps, it helps the whole process kind of like, um, kind of kickstart it, it, it it's like warming your truck up in the morning before you go driving or so, something. That's all it is. Go ahead. So like I had saw, I saw the word and it said step one, auto lease. And I'm yep. like, oh, that's like a, a big complicated word. But mm-hmm. it was literally measuring out the flour, measuring out the water and mixing those together. So yes. that's basically so, hydrating the flour. Hydrating the flour. Okay, that's, that's, a that's, that's pour, pouring the water, mixing, putting them on top. You don't let them sit. You, you mix it. Yeah, you go ahead and mix it. Fold then you mix let, together. Then you yeah. So that's one thing that uh, when I was mixing the dough, the mm-hmm. flour and the water together, yeah. that I started getting nervous about because it says use your hands. Yeah. You know, you want to get in there and, 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 but 
I had it felt like I had a third of the damn dough on my hand. So and I, I was trying go. I'm trying to get it off. Yeah. but go ahead. I don't use my hands. Okay. Um, so what do you I, use? I use a plastic long handled spoon because like. I don't want to get my hands dirty. Like I've done this a hundred times. Like when I'm doing my folds, you have to use your hands. But at this point, it's going to stick to your hands a lot. And this is this is a like if you've ever made like dough on your countertop before in the past, you you know they always tell you flour your hands so it doesn't stick to your hands. This is a wet dough. What you actually want to do is you want to have like a cup of water next to you, and you dip your hand in the water, and you keep your hand wet, and the dough won't stick to you during this yeah. process. Um, but what I do for this first mix um, is I get a big long handled plastic spoon that stuff doesn't stick too easy and i just mix the crap out of it i mash it i move it around so it's oh. fine to really agitate it then yeah oh okay. yeah no no get it fully mixed you want all of the all of the flour to be hydrated with water during the auto lease and um then at the end you'll have a little bit sticking to your spoon you just pull it off throw it back in there and you're done you don't have to clean anything um, i like that so, i like that okay, better yeah because yeah, like, i was i was peeling yeah, it off my fingers you, bro yeah that's a Jeremy tip. That's something that I figured out just doing bread and stuff. Um, yeah. you know, so that, that's the first thing is the auto lease. Um, and then the next step from there is you're going to add in all your other ingredients. And this is why instant yeast kind of comes into play here. Cause you're going to add your yeast and your salt. You're going to measure those out and add them in. Don't ever mix yeast and salt together. Um, Yeast loves sugar and will grow with sugar. Yeast hates salt. Salt will kill yeast. So don't ever be like, oh, I'm going to measure all my, my my salt and my yeast out, put them into a bowl together and let them sit there for 30 we minutes. We didn't do that either. Um, no, I'm, I'm just saying if someone, if someone was like, oh, I'm going to use the same bowl and just, and just zero yeah. my scale out and measure them together, don't do that because salt will kill yeast. Okay. So the next thing is 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 to um, is to add your salt and so your yeast So what I was going to say, um, when we did the auto lease, we covered it with like a little towel for like 20 or 30 minutes before we did the- Don't you have a lid for your camera? It's somewhere. Yeah, I just covered it with a little towel. She, okay. was, she was actually. Falling. I was watching the video, so I know oh. what he did. Yeah, no, just put your lid on your camera. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's all you have to do. That's, so, the, that's the whole point of having a camera. So mix yeah. it, back it up a little but bit. But it just feels so like what? primitive putting you, the towel over it. You want me to tell you to mix your auto lease for a ninth time? No. So okay. I'm just saying, you, mi- <laughs> you mix it together, but then you let it sit for 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we get into. Adding the salt, sprinkling the salt and the, and the yeast. yeast. Yeah, you sprinkle sprinkle your yeast. You measure out your yeast and your salt and sprinkle them over the top. And then uh, you're going to combine it together. Um, you know, you can knead it. Uh, Ken has a, a pincer method that he kind of talks about in his book, where you um, you fold the dough on itself, pinch it, fold it on itself, pinch it, fold it on itself until you get a really homogenous dough. Uh, you don't want to feel any of the granules of the salt or the yeast in the dough. You want it to feel like a very smooth mass. And, um, that's the first, like, that's your dough. It's together now. Um, so that's when you're mixing those things into it with your hands. Yeah. You're going to use your hands there. Stretching the section up and kind of folding it. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're mix. you're gonna fold and pinch and don't. We talked about degassing earlier. There's no gas in the dough yet. You want to be super aggressive here. You want to just you want to pinch. You want to fold. You want to pinch and fold. Where it's are you take pinching? The dough in the middle. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, you fold and then... You, 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 like, you fold the dough over and you li- literally just grab it and squeeze it in your hands. And this, oh. is, it, and this is where, like, keep your hand wet. Like, if your hand is wet, the dough will not stick to your hand. Yeah. Um, and so I wet my hand four or five times throughout this process. And, you know, every couple of folds, I'm going to be wetting my hand and I'm going to be squeezing the dough and sque- squeezing and folding, squeezing and folding is kind of what you're doing. Um, sometimes I'll take my fingers, like like 
my fingers straight, like all of them pointed down, and just poke a bunch of holes in the dough and then fold it over because that's going to relax it to where I can so fold it So you can it fold it as many times as you want in this step because you're not degassing it Yes, at yeah. All. You're going to want to do this for like four or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to take a while to really get it homogenous and stuff. You and, can do and, better at that. It, it, See, that's, the better you get at it, the quicker you'll be able okay. to do it. Okay. Um, so you're basically folding, pinching, folding, pinching. Well, you're really. folding, pinching, 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 and then folding again. Okay, okay. There's okay. a lot of pinching. Now, what's it's the, more pinching what's than the pinching? do okay so 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 like if you have like a flat pie in front of you and you fold it in half it's only doubled then you're gonna pinch it and disrupt all those layers and then you're gonna fold it again it's kind of like if you were like making like you know like is that kind of just getting getting rid of the seam getting getting rid of the seam and getting all of that together because what's going to happen is you're going to have layers and you don't want layers you want all of it to be homogenous you really want to mix it together that's good that's 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 good to know we didn't do that we didn't do that so what we did we did just three folds. I did. I was. We were watching. Well, well we were. Fo- I folded it a few more times. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, you're gonna have folds later. When, yeah. W- when you're building gluten, but right now is not the folding time. Gotcha. Right now is the pin- pincher time. Pinch, um, pinching time. Yeah. Okay. So, so we didn't do that. Poke holes in it. Pinch it. Agitate it. I mean, really need. We were nervous. Need the crap out of it. Like this is the time to be rough. Later on, yeah. we're gonna be gentle. This is the rough time. Okay. Um, and then from there, uh, Ken has you do folds. You don't need the dough. You fold it. Um, so about every 30 minutes, um, did, did you do three folds in yours? We did two. He said sometimes a third is needed, but yeah, so yeah. we did like, we waited like five minutes after the mixing part okay. and then we folded did your, fold, or your first fold. Yeah. And then we waited about 45 minutes to an hour and then folded again. Okay. I, I usually do a fold about every 30 minutes and I do like three of them. Okay. Um, so like, you know, 10 minutes af- after you've mixed it cause the dough needs to relax. Um, I do a fold and then I'll usually do like two more, like three folds, folds total. And what that is, is your dough is sitting at the bottom of the Cambro, um, you're going to pull it up like on one side and fold it over, pull it up on the other side, fold it over, turn it, pull it up on one side, fold it over, pull it up on the other side, fold it over. So you're really like folding a present. You're pulling all those sides four up corners, and over. Like four yeah, corners. about four corners. And then you flip the dough over and Wait. that- What's that? And then you wait like 30 minutes. You flip the dough over. That way your seam is on the bottom so it stays together and doesn't unfold itself. And then you cover it back up and you wait 30 minutes and you do it again. Okay. Uh, those are folds. That's all. That's really the most active part there. And, and that's where you want to be careful. You don't degas the dough because it's going to start uh, fermentation there. Um, it, if you degas it, you kind of stop the fermentation process. Yeah. Um, and so that's... I, so I, let, this is your bulk fermentation. This is what this this time is called. So we're down fold. to the we're on the uh, we're on the four corners that you just talked. You've about. pulled up each corner, folded it over itself after it's rested, flipped it over. So those four folds are on the bottom now. Yep. And then you wait thirty, 30 minutes. more minutes, okay. and you do that same process again. Pull up each of the four corners, fold it over the center, and flip it over. Gotcha. Now you're going to do this two to three times during the first hour and a half or so. Okay. Um, and what that is is that's how you build the gluten. That's how it. That's how it builds strength by folding that's the onto layers. itself. I, I'm picking, yes. I'm picking yeah, up yeah. what you're putting. This down is the now. layers part. This yeah. is the structure. Yes, exactly. And then um, it's going to rest for a few more hours for this recipe, right? Yeah, and they say definitely don't touch it for at least the last yeah, hour. Yeah, don't touch it. And what's going to happen here is um, it is it's going to relax and it's going to start building inside of fermentation. And at the end of this period, there's called the um, it. 
it's called the window is is really what, what you're looking for. Uh-huh. And if you were to pull a piece of that dough off, you could stretch it real thin without breaking it and actually see the light come through it. And that's how you know your dough is done with bulk fermentation because it has this stretchiness and this elasticity to it without breaking. Yeah. And that means that you've reached the end of your bulk fermentation. Now you'll start seeing, which this is a question that we asked you, mm-hmm. Is that we started seeing bubbles? So yep. some bubbles that, pop, happening. Up. That's the fermentation. And then it says if, your if dough you, is typically almost triple in volume after you've mixed it for after it's set there for about five hours. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what it says. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll see the bubbles coming up, and that means your dough's working. Yes. So it's the same thing. Like um, if if you were um, um, fermenting grains to make beer, you know, it's all bubbly and riling. Like you guys have been to bourbon distilleries and seeing the mash bubbling and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact process. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So five hours goes by. Now we're going to divide our dough. Um, this is, uh, we're going to, uh, turn out this mass onto a floured work surface. Um, this, uh, all of his recipes make, uh, two loaves of bread. Uh, they're each, you know, um, 500 grams of flour, you know, a thousand grams to start with. We divide it in half. So you're going to use that bench knife to separate the two of them onto a floured surface. And then what you're going to do is you're going to do one more fold. You're going to take the edges, fold it into itself to kind of make a ball and flip it over onto the counter. And so you're going to have a ball there. And what you're going to do is you're going to pull that dough tightly into a ball. Um, um, How you would do that is uh, like, imagine you have a ball in front of you, you put your hands around it and then you bring your pinkies in. You're doing this with your pinkies and you're going to pull that dough towards you with just your pinkies. A little bit of resistance on it. Yep. Yep. And you're going to turn it you're going to pull. You're going to turn it. You're going to pull. You're going to turn it. You're going to pull until you have a nice smooth ball. If you notice any really big pockets of air during this time, just pop them because they're, because it's going to make a void inside of your dough. Um, so once you have that dough ball nicely formed on the countertop, this takes a lot of practice. Um, you know, um, I've done this thousands of times now because it's the same thing when I'm making my burger buns or my pizza doughs or my yeah. sourdoughs or whatever. It's all that pulling process. Um, so you're going to take, you, you're going to, um, you, you have your two dough balls on the countertop. You got them pulled. You got them nicely. They're beautiful in front of you. Um, I, um, I have a shaker a flour that I keep on hand. It's a Cambro shaker. Uh, it's just an easy way to kind of spread dough on the countertop and stuff. And I use it all the time. Yeah. Um, I'll sprinkle a little bit of flour on top of the dough just so it's not wet and I can move it around easily after I've formed these balls. Mm-hmm. And then I have my, my Banneton baskets that we talked about earlier are proofing baskets. I'm going to take those and I am going to heavily coat the inside with flour because they are very sticky, these doughs. They are high hydration doughs. Mm-hmm. I am going to sprinkle them with flour on the inside, uh, on the inside of that Banneton basket. And then um, I believe Ken's method is to drop the dough seam side down into the basket. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So if you pick it up and drop it seam side down into the basket, that is one way of doing it. That is how Ken recommends to do it. And uh, that's how we're going to say to do it for this episode. Uh Sure. Uh, So you drop them in there and then um, um, you go to the grocery store and you steal some extra large uh, clear bags. (laughs) And then you're going to put these these uh these baskets into the clear bags oh. and wrap them and that's how I store my bat my my doughs while they're rising for the uh for this part of the fermentation. So oh. we just put a um a kitchen towel over it. Yeah, and you can do that uh, a floured kitchen towel because these are very uh very sticky. Yeah, you don't want the the towel to stick to exactly. The and yeah. he also recommended putting some flour over the top. Yeah, as well, so that it doesn't which, stick. Which we did, and we didn't have the Cambro shaker, which mm-hmm. I think I would like to get. 
might they're be less very, messy, but we just had cheap, yeah. a really fine strainer that we put some flour in and just kind of like tapped the strainer it's and a little it just messier, lightly dusted right? it. Yeah. But it, it really coated it well. It was like just a light little dusting yeah. over like the top. Yeah, like a little sieve and you just yeah. Yeah. covered it, it Covered it with a towel and our we had our windows open and it was a little chilly day mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, so we put it upstairs where it was a little bit warmer in the house mm-hmm. and, and that seemed to help a lot. They said it's, it's it'll rise quicker in the warmth and not as quick in exactly. the cool. So we yeah. put it upstairs. Yeah, so in this process you're talking about, um, when we pull, you know, they talk about you gently pull, pull it, it out, out of, of the camera. Out of the you camp don't want to degas it yet. Yeah, not, you don't want to just don't, not degassing it is very important. So don't don't just rip it out of your whatever vessel you have it in and throw it. You're on like kind of like easing yeah. it out. You want to coax it. Coax it out. At, at this point, you're not doing the wet hands mixing. You're doing the floured hands. So flour your hand and get it in there. Your hand won't stick to it, and you can pull it out easy. Yeah. And then um, I would recommend you guys grabbing some of those extra large plastic bags to put your Bannington baskets in while you're doing that proof because the Bannitons. Um, aren't really sealed. They'll leak flour out of the bottom of them and stuff. And so if you can put your whole um, Bannerton basket with your uh, dough in it into like a, a plastic bag and just kind of swoop it around so there's some air in there so it kind of yeah, ho- yeah. hoists up the top and it doesn't stick, um, it'll just be a little bit cleaner because you won't have any flour leaking out. Okay. So you put them in the proofing baskets and they're covered either in a bag or with a towel. But yep. how, how long from there? Like what, 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 how do you know when you're ready? What does the recipe say? It says... I haven't made this recipe in like four or five years. Okay, so... so yeah. Your guess is as good as mine. So it says, <laughs> lightly flour the tops of the loaves, set them aside, cover with a kitchen towel, or place it in a non-perforated plastic bag, and then plan on baking the loaves about one and a quarter hours after they are shaped, assuming that the room temperature is around 70 degrees. Yeah. Um, so what we did was we waited about 45 minutes to an hour because mm-hmm. um, we had it in the warmer in the warmer spot. Yeah. And... Um, it says to do a finger dent test. So we like poked mm-hmm. our finger into the dough and it should slowly go back, but not completely close up. Yeah. And it says that at that point it's ready. So if you poke your finger into it and it springs back super fast, that means the dough is too tight and hasn't fermented enough yet. Oh. If you poke your finger in and the dent stays there, it means you overproofed your loaf and it's gone too far. Okay. Yeah. So, so that, that's the test. I mean, like I would still bake it just to see what happens because you never know. Um, but that means you've overproofed your dough. So I said 45 so, minutes that we waited in the proofing baskets, but it, at the 45 minute mark, I was sticking our Dutch oven into the uh, oven and preheating it at 475 around then. So that gave it about 15 minutes to start reaching up to temp. So it sounds like you didn't preheat your oven enough then. What do you mean? You should preheat your oven like 45 minutes before you're going to because you want to superheat those Dutch ovens because you need to be steaming them. So um, uh, he recommends preheating your oven with the Dutch oven in there an hour ahead of time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did about 15 minutes. I found that to be too much. I normally do like- They were almost steaming. No, they should be yeah. steaming a bunch. They, they, they should be they beyond like, steaming. They should have steamed every, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, it was really, really hot and um, had steam off of it. Yeah, so um, I normally do about 45 minutes beforehand. Like, let's say, like, I'm going to bake at 7 a.m. At 6.15, I'm putting the Dutch ovens in and turning my oven to 500 because my oven runs a little bit cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really want to superheat those. Like, that's, like, that's how you get the steam out of them. Um, so it's almost, um, you know, with this recipe, I would wait like 15 minutes and then start preheating the oven. Uh, I wouldn't wait until the doughs are ready. Okay. Just I have would, that thing rip roaring. Yes, exactly. 
Um, you're not going to overheat it. Yeah. yeah. And that's the next thing. Um, yeah, I went quick. Yeah. Um, you're going to, um, grab these doughs. You're going to have your Dutch oven superheated in the oven. The oven's ready to go. You're going to pull out the Dutch oven and the lid is all preheated. You're going to pull it out of the oven. You're going to take that lid off and you're going to dump your, uh, your sourdough directly into the Dutch oven. Upside down. Is that how yeah. he had you do it? Yeah. So I like took the basket in one hand, like palmed it and then he had you turn it upside down and like gently put it into the Dutch oven. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cause it's at that point, it's really soft and pliable. Yeah. And I am not going to tell you guys how I do mine because it'll just be confusing at this point, but sure. that's how Ken recommends to do it. And then what what's going to happen is um, earlier you were talking about how you got a lame, um, which is a scoring device mm-hmm. um, because what's going to happen is you're going to have oven spring. Your, uh, your dough is going to um, double or triple in volume. It's a, it, it springs up in the oven. And so what a lame does is a scoring device. If you don't score, if you don't have some sort of marking on the actual dough itself, it's going to um, just kind of like break open How in like weird okay, ways. Okay, so that's what it did because it didn't tell us at all so, what to do a lame. Nope, you don't because, okay. what, because what he had you do is he had you put that seam side down in the basket. So that seam that you made when you folded the dough earlier- Is on the top. That's on the top okay. and that is your score. So and that's so where it was had, breaking open. He has a very naturalistic, huh. open looking score okay. on there and that's how he gets that. Um, and, and so that, we that's thought that was way. wrong. Nope, that's Cause right. Because we, we were like, oh, well the fold is there and it was like kind of cracking open in that spot. He makes it easy on you. Um, When we do some follow-up episodes, I'll tell you how I do it and how I get like scoring patterns in there, but don't worry about that now. It's really not important. It's just like an extra step. So we got, we, we've gone through the whole process. Are we ready to put this thing in the oven? This thing is in the oven. Okay. Uh, you, yeah. you pop it in that cast With the iron, lid on. You put the lid on, you bake it in the oven. What is it, 25 or 30 minutes? It's 30 minutes. 30 minutes with the lid on and then another 20, 25 minutes without the lid. Which gives you the crust. So, so dur- during, during the first part with the lid on, that's the steaming part. That's the part where it has that oven spring. Yeah. If you don't have steam, if you don't have the lid on, what's going to happen is the outside crust is going to form before it can steam and then it won't be able to expand properly and you're going to have this thing that is like as dense as like a fruitcake loaf. I mean, it's going to be rough. Okay. Uh, So that's what causes like that beautiful crumb, that beautiful interior is that steaming process. So first 30 minutes with a lid on, and then the last 20 to 25 minutes, and this is going to be kind of by sight. What you're going to have here is, uh, this is your Maillard reaction. This is your searing process. This is what's going to make those beautiful caramely flavors on the outside is that browning process. And don't be afraid to like take it too far. Like get it dark, have a really dark loaf. It's not burnt. Like that is your Maillard reaction. Those are flavors developing on the outside. Exactly. Uh, so another 25, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on the, uh, with the lid off. So he says, um, he says, uh, about 20 minutes, but check it at 15 ours at our, we did ours for 15, Mm -hmm. but I think we could have went, it was great at 15, but I think we could have went to 20 because it wasn't as dark, dark like you're talking about. I go to like 25. Well, uh-huh. uh, and yeah. I think this, what I'm learning, what I've learned from this segment is this book go to your liking too. is going to be your foundation. It's yeah. going to be your learning tool. And yeah. once you get where, hey, I'm crushing Saturday, Saturday night bread, whatever, then you can, and once you get where you're, um, 
Comfort, comfortable yeah. with it, then, yeah. you, then you start expanding out into your own avenues, like you have. Yeah, I don't use my hands. I use this tool. I do this. I do that. You, you can, Ma- yeah, make, adapt your own way. Make this bread five to ten times before you try to alter anything. Yeah, because you want to have a good foundation. If you cook your way through this entire book, at the end, he shows you how to make your own recipe. He says this is how this works. Like he he breaks down a baker's formula, and when I make bread, like it's not a recipe in this book. It's my recipe that I'm making when I when I bring you. Guys yes. bread. It's yeah. not this. I'm using yeah. his techniques. I'm using the information I learned from him, but I'm making my own bread. This is dipping our yeah. toes into it. Um, so when you pull the bread out of the oven, you're going to want to take it out of the Dutch oven. You're going to put it on a cooling rack because uh, it'll continue to cook in that Dutch oven right. and let it co- cool for a while. If you're concerned that your bread is not cooked all the way, um, unenriched breads that don't have butter and eggs and stuff like that, they're done around 200 degrees internal. Um, you're going to be well beyond that because this is such a, um, a long cooking process. So don't yeah. really worry about that sort of thing, but you're going to want to let it cool for a while because it is still cooking on the inside for a little bit. Let it cool down for a couple hours before you slice into it uh, just to be safe. Um, yeah. I normally don't slice into mine until like the next day because it's a little easier. Um, oh, okay. Unless I'm like super antsy. And you're going to want to slice immediately we, into we, it now. We were. Ken Forkish. <laughs> she just said like the exact opposite. Well, of no, yeah. You, I, yeah. you want to. Well, Ken, oh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, you want, <laughs> yeah. I said you're going to yeah. want to do it immediately. Ken says let it rest for at least 20 minutes before slicing. Yeah. yeah. Let, um, so let we cool did. Down. We yeah. let it rest, rest 20 minutes. We were in a hurry to go before the baseball game. So it was like at the 20 minute mark, we were slicing it open. Joel standing over with a knife like waiting for the timer yeah. to be. Yeah. And it was amazing. But, but it, it was, was so hot. Yeah. It was at yeah. the twenty minute mark when when I cut into it, steam was still coming out. Yeah, it, yeah. it needed it, to rest it, longer. It was still cooking on the inside as well. Yeah, going on. but yeah. at least twenty minutes, you want it to rest. Now I know this seemed kind of complicated because we really broke it down, and, and Joel and I had a lot of questions. I think this is the quietest it. I've been on a podcast. Yes, <laughs> I was enamored with everything you were saying. Man. Um, back it up. Wait, we, wait, back it up. <laughs> Can you back we, it up? Beep. <laughs> We really broke it down and asked a ton of questions. And I think probably listening to it, it might sound a little confusing, but I'm going to tell you, if you just get the book and you have already listened to what we just said, it's going to make so much sense and be so easy. Yeah. So easy. So I really recommend you guys try it. It's a game changer. It is a game changer. It is impressive how easy this was to make and how bougie it seemed. You just unleashed... The monster, because now I'm like, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this. First thing I thought of with this Saturday uh, white bread was I want to have a dinner and I want to make this because if I'm this bread with some good dipping oil Mm -hmm. would be. And we do that Magnum dipping oil. And you bust out this loaf and say, hey, I just made this for you guys. Dude, it's like total like big dick move. You know what I'm saying? It really is. And it's satisfying too. Like, you know, it was so satisfying to know that just those four little ingredients produced this yeah. thing that's going to feed all these people. Uh, it's sure. comforting and it's crusty. We, and <laughs> dude, we were, we were, anything we could put on the bread, we were putting on it. He had honey, honey yeah. on it. Pours and cheese, butter. butter. Yeah. We just kept, what else can we try this with? Now, um, another thing, uh, just kind of a weird thing. There are no preservatives in this bread. So Saturday, um, sourdough, you're going to want to eat this within like two days. Yeah. Like, at the max two days because it's going to go bad very, very fast. Okay. Um, 
the breads I bring you have sourdough in them, so they'll last like five days, but this, no preservatives. And also, because there's no preservatives, there's no sugars, there's no garbage in this. If you toast the bread, it's not going to really brown on you very quickly. You're going to want to toast it for a long time. Like, put it like all the way max on your toaster and stuff just to get it nice and crispy on the oh, outside. Okay. Um, because it doesn't have all those cheap ingredients that white bread have in them. You know, you have yeah. quality ingredients. Mm-hmm. There's no preservatives. It's, it's not going to burn up on you. Um, so just some tips when using it. Okay, before we go to break, um, if you only have one Dutch oven, you've got two loaves to make. Mm -hmm. Um, You make one and then that other one's just sitting there proofing longer or? What you do is, because you don't want to overproof that dough, is you just pop that one in the fridge while the one is in the oven and the cold temperature of the fridge will almost not stop, but it will stunt the, uh, the fermentation process enough to where you can get that one dough baked for an hour. So it's not, because if, you know, this dough, this dough only proofs for about an hour or so. Yeah. So you put it in the fridge for that hour long process of proofing. And then when that one comes out, your Dutch oven is superheated because it's been sitting in the oven for two hours. Now you're going to dump that second dough in and then immediately go into that second process. I have two Dutch ovens. Like I know you guys have two Dutch ovens, mm-hmm. but not everybody does. So if you have just the one Dutch oven, that's what you do. If you're making both loaves also, if you want to cut the recipe in half, you can there cut you the go. recipe in I half. I was going to ask that yeah. too. Like, in, which, okay, yeah, just cut yeah. it in half. It doesn't have it's to just, have the thousand yeah. grams of flour. Yeah. Uh, some, it's just math. Yeah, sometimes like, um, you know, I only need one dough for what I'm doing. I only need one round and um, it's just the math formula. Cut everything in half. All of your proofing times, all of everything else stays the same. You just half the ingredients. And the thing that is, is I, I like make the, having the two loaves because... This stuff's so good, it doesn't go as far as you think it will. Like, people will smash this. We went through a yeah. lot very quickly. Um, I've given so much bread away. Um, if you're friends with your neighbors or you're friends with someone, like, give them a loaf of bread. That's like, what it's I want to do. It's a fun thing to do. Just Get, pass it out. Take like, the practice. That's yeah. what I want to do. Exactly. So, all right, well, cool. let's, go, let's go to break. And on the other side, Jeremy's going to be bringing us a micro porn, y'all, one you're not going to want to miss. And we got Reload Recommend. So, stick around. We'll see you on the other side. Do you like to cook? Of course you do. And we all know that quality knives and tools are a cook's best friend. That's why we only use the best, Dalstrong. Dalstrong has the highest quality, sexiest knives I've ever laid my hands on. Any knife that you would ever need, they have it. But they don't stop there, guys. At Dalstrong.com, they also carry block sets, aprons, cookware, culinary tools, and even everything you need to maintain a kitchen's best friend. So guys, run. I said run to DowStrong.com and use code ThatReloadPodcast. I said ThatReloadPodcast to save on the finest brand in the game, DowStrong. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are going to jump right into a micro porn, and this is a very special one today. We are going to be doing uh, sparkling waters, mineral waters. We're going to be doing liquid death versus Topo Chico. You guys know what we are huge fans of Topos. Uh, we drink them all the time. They are amazing uh, carbonated mineral waters. And then this new guy on the market, Liquid Death, is something I've been drinking recently. It is a sparkling water straight from the Alps. Uh, they have really cool branding, uh, former former producer and uh, show host Matt Farr recommended these to us and they are incredible. They're very different from a topo. So I'm excited to see how the guys think of them. I'm going to go ahead and pour these and then we are going to jump on and do a blind tasting. So let's go. (laughs) 
All right, I have everybody back in here, and we are going to do our uh, our water porn. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't look like bourbon. Yeah, all right, guys, uh, we have number A, number B, number left, number right. Uh, go ahead and start with number left. Okay. okay. Here we go, left. And preface, I'm not into these. It's okay. good. It's like sparkling water. Do you guys know which one it is? I do. I don't. <laughs> Stacy do. and I drink a lot of Topos, so. I drank three, I think, yesterday. <laughs> this has got a little, some bubble notes. Um, All right, now try the next one. All right, here we go. Holy crap, that's way bubble, way bubblier. <laughs> so. Stacy, you know which ones they are. Wh- wh- which is which? Um, so the first one with less bubbles was Liquid Death. Definitely. The one on the right was Topo Chico, which is like. So, you know, when you go to like a fast food restaurant and you go to like Wendy's and the, the soda's a little more flat, and then you go to McDonald's and it's like full of bubbles. And yes. it's, that's Topo Chico. Um, Topo I, Chico is the McDonald's of sodas. Well, the Topo Chico about took my breath away. Exactly. Um, that's what we love about Topo is that just that extreme bubbliness to it. Now, I think the Liquid Death has kind of a creamier, like softer quality to it. It does. It's, it's still, softer. It has a really nice flavor to it. And like, I enjoy both of these. Like, I. Mm-hmm. I will have both of these at my house at all times because I enjoy them both. Um, but yeah, they're both, both kind of fun. I do have something to say though. So, I mean, it, like Topo Chico, it does quench my thirst. Um, but the good thing about Topo Chico is I could leave it out for six hours and come back to it and it's still, still bubbly. bubbly. It's oh my still God, bubbly I and I can drink it. Now, if I crack a LaCroix and I don't drink it, within 15 minutes, the thing is freaking ruined and flat and disgusting. I think Li- they're ruined, flat, and disgusting before you. That's true. That is true. <laughs> um, now, the liquid death was really good. Like, I could definitely crack that and enjoy it. What yeah. I'm seeing in front of me is a large, tall boy can. They are 16.9 ounce. They are big. Yeah, this and murder so your thirst. My yes. concern for me, I would not drink all of that, and I'm, I'm afraid it would be flat, if I came back to it, unlike mm-hmm. the Topo Chico, but it was actually delicious. It, it was really, really good. And, and yeah, for, I would well, drink it. For, I, yeah. I, re- I recently started um, drinking water out of like a Nalgene, like the one liter containers and stuff, just because like uh, it's easier for me to carry around, kind of like your um, your containers you guys have. New growlers. Your new growlers. And um, I've come across the fact that I drink about three gallons of water a day. <gasps> um, so for me, this is just a quick drink. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. That, no, wait, are, when I drink my I drink my energy drinks. Yeah, they're always <laughs> when in. you smash those energy drinks. Yeah, when I'm crushing rock stars. How expensive are these? Um, I think it's fifteen bucks for a twelve pack. Is that okay. good? It's a little bit more expensive than Topos, but they are like Topos are twelve ounces. These are sixteen point nine ounces. So I mean, you're getting per, more per ounce. I think it's about the same as a Topo. Uh, they're not ridiculous. Uh, well, know. for somebody that does not like the sparkling waters, I'm leaning towards Liquid Death because this t- Topo Chico, bro, it is. It's intense. It lights you up. I yeah. hiccup every time. Like my first sip it. of it, I, I always hiccup. I mean, I'm sure it's something I could get used to if I like to drink this stuff, but it's very bubbly. Uh, Liquid Death's just got a little bit of that tingle in there. and yes. It's yeah. not flat it's, by any means. Right. It's, it's carbonated smooth. appropriate. But it has yes, a great yes, flavor. Yes. Now, yeah. Liquid Death, uh, this is the black can. Um, this is the sparkling water. They also have just a regular, uh, regular water in a white can. So you can get just like regular water from the Alps, you know. I, from there. I, I, I love the spark ever since yeah. Topo Chico. Holy I just crap, love the sparkling. Man. Topo Chico's intense. It's Topo amazing. Chico's amazing. Yes. Right. It's getting in my nose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that is our water porn. Now we're going to jump over to uh, Joel. That's right, guys. It's time for that segment you've all been waiting for. We recommend things to you that is cool and badass. And with that being said, let's roll straight into... 
Reload! Recommendations! Recommendations from Elow! Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right. So this week we are going, just the three of us, so we're going to start things off with Jeremy, then I'm going to roll in and we're going to round things out with Stace. So Jeremy, what you got, homie? All right, so this is kind of a um, kind of a long one. Um, this is a... That's what she said. Hey! That's what she always says. This is <laughs> a, a podcast, a book, and a movie all in one. Um, recently, I was scrolling through some podcasts looking for something to listen to because I just finished an audiobook, And of course, I listened to all the TRP podcasts nine times in a row. I was scrolling through the Joe Rogan podcast and he had director, writer, extraordinaire Quentin Tarantino on. And they were talking about his newest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he was talking about how he wrote a novel based on his original screenplay. And I was like, wow, that sounds really awesome. So I downloaded the book, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and listened to it. And then I went and watched the movie and watched it. And it was really incredible. What uh, Quentin Tarantino did was he took his uh, his 30 plus years of experience in Hollywood and wrote a screenplay based off all of these kind of like myths and truths and just kind of behind the scenes stories of like things that have happened in Hollywood back since like the 60s and 70s and kind really? of wrote them into these little stories. Like one of the real famous ones is that like Bruce Lee was a huge asshole and not really that great of a person. And so um, huh. Brad Pitt's character <coughs> beats the absolute shit out of him at one point in the movie. Uh, su- sh- super controversial because it's like, you know, <laughs> like, that would happen. Beating it. Well, no, like it's like, you know, um, at certain points in history, Bruce Lee kind of bragged that he could beat the shit out of uh, Muhammad Ali. Bruce Lee was five foot eight, 120 pounds. There's no way in hell that he would ever beat the heavyweight championship, arguably one of the greatest boxers of all time um, yeah. in any sort of fight. Like, that's ridiculous. And so um, Brad Pitt's character is this um, this former Green Beret war hero with hundreds of confirmed kills. Like, he's a super badass is, is the character, and now he's a stuntman. So yeah. he could beat the shit out of a 120-pound five foot eight guy. Um, so that that's like one of the things. There's lots of these little things like that. And the whole story actually takes place over two days in 1969. Um, and he kind of pulled um, an Inglorious Bastards, you know, where he kind of rewrote like the murder of Hitler, where he like killed Hitler and Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. He kind of took the Manson murders and kind of rewrote them to be more entertaining. So it actually... <laughs> The whole movie takes place around the Manson murders, and um, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like this um, kind of washed up, like cowboy actor who's kind of trying to make a comeback. And um, Brad Pitt is his stunt double, and so it's them kind of putzing around Hollywood. There's a bunch of hippies. There's a bunch of like really cool stuff happening. Um, Margot Robbie plays his neighbor, who is Sharon Tate, who is like actually someone in real life who died from the, one of the Manson murders. Right. Uh, she was married to um, the actor and pervert uh, Roman Polanski, um, and so um, you know it just takes place over like these two days. It's it's a really interesting and gripping story. The movie's like almost three hours long. It's really long. It sounds right up my alley. I didn't think I would like it, and I kind of put off watching it. And then once I heard them talk about what it was really about, I was like, oh, shit, like, that's good. I like these, this yes. kind of stuff, this outside-of-the-box kind yes. of stuff. I'm and a Quentin Tarantino fan. I'm a huge fan of his, too. And I, I, like, you know, over the past, like, two years, movies have been, like, kind of all over the place. And stuff. this came out in 2019, the movie did. And the audiobook, or the, the book and the audiobook just came out, like, a month or two ago. It's still very new. Yeah. Uh, so I listened to the book first because the book is really just his original screenplay but expanded to 400 pages. And then, uh, and then I watched the movie. I just finished it like two nights ago, and it's 
every bit of this is excellent. You know, uh, Quentin yeah. Tarantino, the way he thinks through things, the way he does stuff. Um, you know, he's famously said, like, he's only going to make 10 movies. Once Upon a Time in Mexico is number nine. He has one movie left, and then he's like, I'm out, guys. Peace. Really? Yes. I can't believe that. Did you know, or, and I want to ask you if he mm-hmm. did this in this movie. Yeah. Um, every movie that he's made, he's referenced Knoxville, Tennessee, in it. So he was born he, in Knoxville, but he was raised out in California. He's a UT grad, though. Oh, is he? Oh, he came mm-hmm. back. Okay. Um, I'm trying to... Oh, so the beer they drink throughout the entire movie, and I looked it up, it's called Old Chattanooga Beer. Ah! Uh, so, so, like, there's a, Tennis, there's a Tennessee East reference East for reference. you. And I actually looked up the beer. I was like, is that a real beer? Like, I want to drink this. <laughs> it's not a real beer. Oh, um, but um, I That's have a cool to name. pay attention. I thought you were going to reference his foot fetish. He's, like, obsessed with feet. And yeah, th- th- there's, there's definitely a foot scene. Understand uh, that? Uh, you, don't, you don't have to understand. It. It's his thing. That's right. Um, but yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, if you like books, check out the book. It's really great. If you like movies, check it out. If you like both, check them both out. There you go, I, dude. That's an excellent recommendation, and I'm probably gonna watch that tonight. Yay! Yeah. All right. Uh, it's super violent, super crazy. Like, like you, you would like it too, though. Like, it's 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 just a great. Movie. And it was on what channel? It's not on any channel. I don't know movie you gotta get it yeah oh okay, okay. It's, right. it's still a very new hollywood release movie yeah okay. yeah so uh it's gonna be hard for me to follow that one up jeremy but mine is a gadget uh you know a couple of podcasts ago we talked about hunting and the hunting season is here and a gadget that i have started using and is super convenient if you're wanting to get into hunting if you're time sometimes people go well i don't have time to go out there and scout i don't have time to get out in the woods and see if this spot's any good that's one hiccup with it that is you know you go and you find a spot but you really don't know what the activity's going on there they have game cameras well one thing that steps that up is cellular game cameras where you can set this camera up in the woods and it will actually send pictures to you via your phone and you can set up the notifications yada 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 you can either get notified or you can just go back and check it via your phone and you're not pay for the service yeah it's a very inexpensive service um i've got a couple of stealth cellular cameras but one good camera that um a buddy of mine recommended me was tacticam tacticam makes their own it's very small it's convenient that way you i I like the smaller cameras because they hide better in the woods you don't have to worry about somebody coming in there stealing it yada 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 but if you want if you're new into hunting this is a game changer because you can put this in your spot and while you're at work when you're at home you can monitor what's going on there and it gives you a leg up it gives you a little bit of an advantage to know okay these at this time is when it's the most active at this time this particular uh, animal is coming through here so if you're looking and hey hail fire it's even good for uh, security purposes at your house if you've got problems um if you got chickens and you got a, a predator coming to eat them put one of these cameras up if you are worried about somebody coming in on your property you can put these cameras up and you can monitor your household even with these cameras so check it out there's many different companies that make them but cellular game cameras um i recommend them highly that's my recommendation stace what you got girl all right so i have two recommendations today the first one is a listener submitted recommendation oh Uh, This one comes from Joey Touchton. He's one of our listeners, and he recommended this book or audio book that you can get on Audible. I have not had a chance to um, listen to it or read it myself, which made me a little skeptical about actually recommending it. But when I looked it up, 
the reviews. <laughs> Sorry. This sounds like the drink from last week. Like, never yours made was this, long. But <laughs> you don't think yours was long? Um, but no, anyways. no, no, the, the drink we had to start the last yeah. podcast. Where, like, you didn't make the drink before the podcast, and oh, then we tried it, and it was horrible. Uh, I, thought tasted, I thought you were looking at your watch, like, this is long, like and I'm shit. like, I'm yeah. not No, no, long. no, I'll just, Hey, hurry up, Stace. Hand gesturing. Hey, Jeez, hurry it up. Anyways, hurry it up. <laughs> looked at the reviews. The reviews were amazing on this. I think it's something that you're going to like. So it's called Outlaw Platoon, and basically it is, like, this guy's account of uh, being an infantry. So it says, a riveting story of American fighting men. It's a lieutenant. Uh, his personal account of the U.S. Army's 10th Mountain Division heroic stand in the mountains of Afghanistan. Uh, like the reviews are saying this is really, like, touches your heart. It's really gripping. It's a, a magnificent account of heroes, renegades, infidels, and brothers. Um, says it, uh, it claimed for its vivid, poignant, and honest recreation of 16 brutal months of nearly continuous battle in the deadly... Hindu Kush, uh, just action-packed, and it's a true story of enormous sacrifice and bravery. So, yeah. uh, sounds like it's something that we would like. So we'll have to take a listen to it. And uh, you know, thank you, Joey, for recommending that. That's something that we can do ourselves. That's right. And I am next for my reload recommendations is a song. It's going on our Spotify playlist. Reload recommends. Make sure you follow. Right now, I think we've got a whopping five hours worth of music on there. So just hit shuffle and you are going to love it. So this song is by a guy named Ty Verdes. Um, His real name is Tyler Cullen and he had uh, got recently went viral with his music. Um, The song is from his debut album TV and this is a okay. Living in this big blue world With my head up in outer space I know I'll be A-O, A-OK I know I'll be A-O, A-OK When I see trouble come my way I'll be making lemonade I know I'll be A-O, A-OK I know I'll be A-O, A-OK Hey little lady, I know you're feeling crazy Another feel-good song. That's right. I like that song. It gives me, uh, it. gives me the grins. The or, grins. It does. You know what else gives me the grins? Is when you guys listening leave us a five-star review on our uh, podcast here. Or share. Or share this jazz. Mm-hmm. All of the above. And when you hit that subscribe button, do it. Do it right now. That way you can listen to That Reload Podcast anytime, anywhere. We love y'all. We'll see you on the next show. See you next Tuesday. This podcast is brought to you by Reload Rub and Seasoning. Head to ReloadRub.com to pick up the full arsenal of our delicious blends, perfect for amping up your next meal. No MSG, clean ingredients, and a portion of every sale is donated to Hungry Heroes, serving those who serve others. So head over to ReloadRub.com and order yours today. I think I had too much caffeine. Got the jitters? I got, yeah, I got like, got the zzz going on. Well, I had like nine freaking pills this morning between the pills I take it for my knee and then my daily like oh, okay. zinc and vitamin shit. Just take yeah. a multivitamin. He does. He takes multivitamin, oh. zinc, and then we have vitamin C, and then he's vitamin D. He's vitamin D deficient, so he takes vitamin you, D. You take the D every morning? Every morning. He's the D every morning. Straight down the gullet.